five, four, three, two, one. Boom, and we're live. Mr. Bisping, how are you, sir? What's up, Joe? I'm good. We finally did this, man. I know. We've been talking about it for <laughs> years. Feels like a lifetime. It's been, you know? a, it's been quite a while, man. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, happy to be here. Quite the setup you have. As an Englishman, please yes. explain to me the Hawaiian flag. What the fuck is the, the Hawaiian flag? <laughs> Straight off the bat, I'm like, I Joe, was confused. I was looking at it the other day when Max Holloway won. I was like, if I didn't, if you didn't know any better, and you looked at that, you're like, this is some strange well, British right, flag. Right off the bat, I'm like, Joe's a smart guy. I've seen the podcast. He goes deep on things. I'm like, do I need to read some encyclopedias before I come on here? And the first thing you say is, explain the British flag. Sorry, the Hawaiian flag. What is that? Well. It's like a I British can't flag claim to be else. an expert on the history of Hawaii. I failed that class, funnily enough. Mm. But I would say that we colonized it at one point, much like America. Right. I don't know if you know this. Uh, yeah. Much like uh, yeah, you guys Australia, India. Yeah, Australia's got a funky flag yeah, too, Yeah, right? you know, we, we like to insert the Union Jack in, in lots of things. And you think about the size of England. How much of the world you guys kicked ass on is pretty goddamn impressive. It really is, but again, I'm no historian. No. But uh, but no, it is. I'm a proud Englishman. I guess our ancestors, well, not my ancestors. I'm, my ancestors are Polish and Irish. Ah. But, uh, but yeah, the British, they did okay. Did a lot of shit. Got a lot done. They did. They did. You know, I was at a... Um, they did a, a lot of terrible things, I'm sure, over the a years. A little bit. Yeah. Little I remember bit. once I was in, uh, in Canada at, uh, at a party, of all things, about three o'clock in the morning, as one, you know, as one does. And um, I walk in and some guy starts going crazy at me. The things that the British have done over the years, you should be ashamed of yourself. And he was causing a huge <laughs> scene, really screaming at me, right? And I mean, going crazy. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Nothing to do with me. He's like, you should be ashamed. So in the end, I said, well, where's your family from? And you're not going to believe this, he said. Mongolian. Germany. Oh. I'm like, fucking, you're a German. You're a German and you're giving me shit about my heritage. Okay, buddy, I suggest you shut the fuck up. That's pretty hilarious because oh, when you so think good. about the history, the Germans way more recent. Oh, yeah, just a little bit, just oh, a little the, bit. The English stuff is in the past. <laughs> it's like, nothing. Let's let it go. Come on. That's like with swords and arrows and shit. Yeah, Robin Hood times. <laughs> come on, come on. You know. Do you but, like yeah. living over here? Yeah, very much so. You know, I mean, of course, you know, you miss uh, you miss home, you miss friends and family. Certainly, um, you know, as you get older and your parents get older, you know, you, you do think about those things. But yeah, it's great. It's a great place to live. Your, of- your accent has tamed itself oh, a bit. Well, When this you go back home, do they give you shit about it? I get shit all the time, yeah. <laughs> all the time. And they're like, what's this weird accent, Mike? Um, and it's like this. I'm intelligent enough to adapt to the surroundings that I'm in. You know, like I'll now say tomatoes instead of tomatoes Ah. because I don't want a cute little back and forth for five minutes with the fucking waitress. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, I just want to order my breakfast and go about my day. Oh my God, you're English? You know what I mean? So I'll say tomato, I'll say coffee. But when I go back home, it kind of, you know, and then working on Fox, um, they, they worked on me for a while. They're like, Mike, we like... Well, we think we like what you're saying. <laughs> the problem is we can't understand what you're saying. It seems like it's good stuff. There's lots of energy there, but uh, yeah. you got to slow down, overpronounce your words. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, it is a little bastardized. Have you thought about doing commentary on UFC cards? Have you done any of those yet? I've just done um, the, what is it, the Contender Series. That's but, it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. But, but, but I think it's, well, I know, it, well, it should be coming up 
just yeah. negotiated a deal for oh, it okay, so great. with Zach. So well, yeah. that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Because you're really excellent as an analyst. Well, thank you very uh, much. I, really I appreciate that. Enjoy your insight when you're on the panel. That panel's great. That that is one of the best things the UFC's done. Yeah. Is do that post fight show because when the fights are over, you're sitting around going, "Fuck, holy shit!" Yeah. And then to have you guys break it down and then break it down beforehand as well, but break it down afterwards. I, I really do enjoy that. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, the guys do a good job. Um, yeah, it's fun. You know, I mean, it's it's nice to be involved with the sport, obviously as a martial artist, as a fighter, and then now retired to still, you know, still have a little hand in there. It's, yeah. it's, it, it's nice, yeah. But you've made a smooth transition from being a fighter to, to retired. Mm. It seems, at least from the outside yeah. looking in, that it seems fairly smooth. It's like some guys have a rocky road. It's, it's hard for them. Well, it's because, um, you know, I mean, I, 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 I want to tell the truth while I'm on here, so so I will tell the truth. But you know, I had eye injuries. Yeah. You know, so you know, every from from when the eye injuries happened in 2013, I always felt like I was on borrowed time. So I was conscious of trying to set myself up outside of the octagon, where a lot of fighters don't have that luxury. You know, I'm thinking it could end at any moment. So I was um, actively pursuing a life outside the octagon, a career outside the octagon. So then when that day came, I was good, you know. Excuse me. Some carbonated energy drink that shall remain <laughs> nameless. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I was working on that for a while. And yeah, you know, things are going well. You know, there's quite a lot of things going on. So um, Yeah, you do that podcast with Luis Gomez. Got the podcast, believe you me. Uh, I've got a company called Playline. What uh, is that? It's a uh, it's a gambling it's fancy sports but it's fancy sports simplified. Basically, it's kind of like a sports lottery. So if we were focusing on the UFC, who's going to win? What round? How many takedowns? We do five stats. You hit them bang on, you get a billion dollars. We had the analytics groups at Harvard and Yale come up with a, a league. So the top fifty people split. If a you rake. hit everything, you get a billion. You get a billion dollars. A one, buh, a b, boom. Billion dollars, baby. Oh, and we give away a million dollars every single day. Playline.com. Boom. Wow. There it is. One billion there dollars it is. in prizes available in our first and year. And it's blowing up. It's blowing up big time. Wow. We're just about to sign a deal with a couple of major sports franchises to be their official game. So wow. uh, so that's going really well. Um, so it's uh, essentially like a fantasy uh, martial arts thing. Like you just pick... No, it, it's... NASCAR, football, oh. MMA. The the beauty of Playline is you can set a Playline to anything. Like we can set a Playline. How many times is Bisping going to burp? How many times is he going to get up and have a piss? How many oh. times is Rogan going to roll his eyes at Mike? You know, <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? You can set right. it for anything. So it's very applicable. Uh, how many times, how many likes is Kim Kardashian going to get in her next post? You know what really? I mean? So it's, um, yeah, you're getting a lot of traction. It's doing really, really well. Very proud of it. I would think if it's a billion dollars, I would think it'd be like some Guy Ritchie movie where the, some mobsters would get together with some fighters <laughs> and say, yeah. this is how we're going to do it, see? Try and You're fix going it. down three times. Okay, I've never heard an, <laughs> uh, uh, an English gangster sound like the, from like 1920s Chicago. Yeah, see? see? This is what we're going to do, see? This is what we're going to do, see? Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess... No, is that hasn't no, is that nobody's possible? cheated yet. Well, you know the reason why I say <laughs> Thanks this. Thanks for totally undermining the system, Joe. Really appreciate it. The reason why I say this is because this is what happened with professional pool. Professional pool had a line at one point in time in Vegas casinos, and the pool players all got together and said, "Listen, let's fucking put all our money on this guy who's the ten to one favorite to win it, or ten to one underdog to win it, and we'll all make money." And so they all dumped, and this one guy, I think his name is Mike LeBron, he won the whole thing. The only way you could do that is if there was no stats. Mm. No stats. Right. So if it was a game of basketball, 
everyone would just have to stand there and do nothing. Right. Which I would assume, I mean, well, I don't know too yeah. much about basketball, but I would I would assume athletic commissions, referees. People get involved. Somebody would say something if everyone was just standing there doing nothing. Well, they did with pool. They You don't can't gamble on pool anymore. Oh, really? Pool players are too shady. Mm. Yeah, they just, well, they are. They're shady. They're shady guys. Yeah, you know, are. Anyone that plays <laughs> pool in England, it's because they spend so much time in pubs. Exactly. You spend so much time in pubs, mm-hmm. you're hanging out with... Some interesting characters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Unsavory characters. Dude, you you started at UFC Ultimate Fighter season two. How crazy three. is that? Three. So you, were you season three? Three. What what season are they on now? Like 90 <coughs> or some shit? Like, what, what are they on? I think they just did 28. That 28, but that's... Fucking crazy. But that's only US. They have the, the Brazilian one. They have the Australian. Diego Sanchez is still fucking going at it. That's what's insane. Season that's impressive. One. Season he, one. He's a maniac. He's a, God bless him. You know, good for him. Good for him. And he you, fucking won recently, which is even oh, more yeah. impressive. No, I know. And he fights in a way that isn't conducive to a long career. No. But he's had one, my word. It's incredible. Insane. It really is. It really is. He's he a warrior. Is such a fucking character, too. Oh, dude, he's out of his mind. Yeah. In a good way, I mean. Yeah, in you a know, great I, way. I mean that as yeah. a compliment. I do as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a maniac. But, uh, I mean, that guy, season one, and still still yeah. going strong. No, I know, I know. Crazy, crazy. It's been a long ride for myself as well, but uh, enjoyed it. Enjoyed every minute of it. It was great. It's nice to nice to leave having won the title, though, right? Oh, 100%. Oh, how, yeah. nice, how nice is that? To cap it off, because you had such a long career, man. I mean, you fought the best of the best, and for you to cap it off, knocking out Luke Rockhold... And then having that, like, oh. no one could take that away from you forever. No, for sure. You know, I mean, I was talking about this recently. I'm filming a documentary called Built for This, and uh, it's about my career. And they were asking about that. You know, how would you feel? Excuse me. This carbonating energy drink that shall remain nameless. Energy drink. <laughs> um, Is it called Creature or something like that? Creature or Demon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> something like that. Mythological. Scary. Um, where was scary. it? Yeah, scary. Scary monster. There you go. Um, no, no, they were asking about my fight career. How would I have felt had I not won the belt? And, you know, I mean, it would have felt like it was unfinished business. Mm. I wouldn't have been quite as content as walking away when I did had I, had I not won the belt. Other than winning the belt what, and winning the Ultimate Fighter, I'm sure, but what was your most satisfying victory? Was it Kung Lee? No, no, I, I don't know. My most satisfying victory, in my word. Oh, Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva. Yeah, that, that was, was a big a one, one for me. Yeah, That was a big one, too, because of the, the cheap knee. It was cheap. It was cheap. I'm glad cheap. you said that. It was cheap. I mean, I'm a giant Anderson Silva fan. Yeah, you don't, everybody is. You don't get any bigger Anderson Silva no. fan than me. But right. you didn't have your mouthpiece. You were pointing to the mouthpiece. You were separated, and you took a pause, and you thought the referee was going to separate you and give you back your mouthpiece, and Anderson comes in with the knee. Well, I know the rules. There has yeah. to be a lull in the action for the yeah. referee to step in. You know, and I'm backing up, and and we're not engaging in blows. To me, that's a lull in the action. Yeah. So I take that moment to point down over here and say yeah. hey, my mouthpiece. And as I'm down there, boom, he throws yeah. a beautiful knee. It yeah. was beautiful. It really was. Perfectly uh, timed. Yeah, and good for him. You know, I don't hold it against the guy. It but is you what it, fucking came back. Yeah. Like it Lazarus. wasn't easy. It wasn't fucking easy. I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that took every part of my will. To uh, continue, but yeah. But you came back and won the next round. Mm-hmm. That was what was yeah. spectacularly impressive. But that's what you said, what is the most satisfying win? And, and I'd say that was one of them. Of course, you know, beating Rockhold and winning the belt, nothing tops that. But, that would um, be the big one too because you came in on short notice as well. Sure, sure. But the uh, yeah, the Anderson one, because of that, 
you know, it just made the storyline so much better. Yeah. You know, to to fight through that adversity, to um, you know, have to uh, dig deep after winning it. Or you know, I won the first, dropped him, dropped him in the second round, third round, I was winning. Then that happened. So yeah, no, it felt good. It felt good. Yeah, that was uh, that. I mean, that also like to just to get a victory over that guy. <clears throat> when it all said and done, there's uh, there's some. Yeah, listen, I'm aware of that. People would say, "Oh, but you didn't get Anderson in his prime." Well, maybe it wasn't his prime, but with the amount of shit that I talked, I, I certainly see a difference in the way he fought me to the way he's fought recently. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's funny because people always say, oh, "You're not worried that when you talk shit going into a fight, that you're gonna motivate your opponent." even more and I always used to say ah no don't be stupid listen they're going to try and hit you as hard as they can but I don't know in that one I I think it did motivate Anderson because he was certainly not fucking about in that one that's for sure no you were it wasn't it wasn't like the Anderson in the Derek Brunson fight that's for sure yeah that was a different fight right Derek Mm. Brunson and him almost like they made an agreement they, well, they didn't fight. Yeah, it was a weird fight. Yeah, yeah it's it like weird. Derek Bronson didn't want to risk anything, didn't want to engage with him too too quickly or go too hard. But then you see some of his fights, he comes at you like a fucking marauder. Who? Derek Bronson. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I was talking about this recently with the Israel Adesanya fight, mm-hmm. and uh, I, th- I think I kind of pissed Israel off with a couple of my comments, and that wasn't my intention. I said, excuse me, <coughs> I said uh, I'm not. I don't know if I'm completely sold. On Israel, yeah. And what I meant by that, I didn't mean sold on him being a great fighter because he's clearly a great fighter. He's clearly world class. What I meant was sold on him being the future of the division mm. and being the champion. That's what I meant because Brunson never showed up in that fight. Right. And I mean that with the greatest of respect. He was like a deer in the headlights. You know, he, he was intimidated. <coughs> He'd just yeah. been knocked out of Jacare. You know, I was a little mm-hmm. gun shy, you know, yeah. and it was a great performance. Israel did what he needed to do. But as I say, you know, it takes two to tango and there was only Israel really fighting in that fight. So when I said those comments, I said, oh, I, I'm not entirely sold on that fight. That's what mm-hmm. I meant. I didn't mean because I don't think he's world-class or an excellent fighter because he clearly is. I just meant not sold on that fight, whether or not he's the future of the division. Well, it's a stacked fucking division. I mean, look, I mean, you still have Yoel Romero at the top of the heap. <clears throat> I don't know what they're doing with him. I mean, no. he was supposed to be fighting uh, um, Boachina. What is, oh, yeah. Uh, Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa. Boachina. Yeah, who's a fucking monster. Yeah, if anybody is. is who's not on steroids, who looks like they're on Dude, steroids, it's him and Yoel Romero. They're all on fucking steroids. Let's so? be, uh, well, it's not that easy these days with USADA, but come on, some of them are on steroids. <laughs> some They've of them probably be. are. Joe. But who's on? Okay. You're telling me that you don't believe that Yoel Romero ever took a steroid in his life? I didn't say that. Okay. I definitely well, didn't say cool. that. I think it's possible. It's oh, totally it's possible. possible. How's that fence you're sitting on? <laughs> I get it. I no, get but it. I mean, it's, 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 it's a tough scenario for you to be in. No, no, UFC no, commentator. I'm, I'm you, fucking honest, bro. Yeah. If I believe it, I'll say it. <laughs> and, and let's not forget he tested positive. There was that yes. whole... Yes, Anytime somebody says it was a tainted, tainted supplement, sub, yeah. it's bullshit. You never tested positive for anything. Never tested positive in my life. Let right. me tell you something. I'm not a guy that scours the back of everything I read. I'm right. a careless motherfucker. I really am. I wish I wasn't, but I am. I'll just go through my life doing what I do. I've been tested a million times, never come close. Okay? Some other guys, they blow up the lab. Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's no smoke without fire. You know what I'm saying? I agree with you. I agree with you. I remember there was talk years back um, before USADA 
there was talk of certain camps that would hire guys who knew testing. And these guys would orchestrate a, a program for these fighters to make sure that they didn't get caught. And right. that they would figure out ways to, you know, to taper off mm. but still keep your gains and, and make sure that you didn't test positive at all. And this was done under the assumption that everyone else was cheating as well. And this was for a long time. That was how a lot of people viewed the sport. There was guys like you, BJ Penn. There was a few guys that you just knew weren't going to do anything. It was their word. They said they were never going to do anything. Sure. And, and they never looked like they did anything. You always maintain the exact same physique throughout your entire career. Well, the thing is, I, I think where it started getting a little weird, and I don't want to bang on about steroids mm -hmm. too much because that's been a narrative that I've over yeah you know I, yeah. I, i've said my piece about that right i, I don't want to you know bang on about it too much but i think where, it, where the waters really got murky is when trt came in yes when testosterone replacement therapy became a thing and all you had to do was go to your doctor and said hey you know i can't get a hard on or whatever and all of a sudden they sign you off well, and you're even on trt worse. <coughs> no i know even worse you could take steroids first and then come off of it so your testosterone was low. Oh, really? And you go to a doctor and say, I have low testosterone. Oh, of course, yeah, because it messes up your natural yes. production of it. This is what of guys course. did. Guys right. took steroids and then went in afterwards and said they have low testosterone mm. because they were on steroids. Sure, no, exactly. So then it became legal. And yes. then you had all these guys coming out there saying, you know, if I'm not on TRT, I'll die. I'll die. Mm -hmm. And then they outlawed it and then... Ten years later, some of them are still fighting to this day. Yes. You know, so yeah. without naming names, you know who you are. Shame on you. Well, but, we've uh, talked about TRT Belfort, <coughs> TRT Vitor Belfort forever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was when he was on TRT, he was a different kind of human being. Mm. He was just completely different than he is in any oh, yeah. other circumstance. Oh, yeah. Looking back, <laughs> you can see that. I mean, because when I fought him, I fought him on TRT. You fought him when he was at the... The super Vitor. Level. Absolutely. He looked like fucking <laughs> the Incredible Hulk. He had but, muscles on his fucking eyebrows. Yeah, looking back, you can see that, you know, but yeah. but at the time, as a fighter, you got to be, you can't think like that. You know what I mean? What are you looking at? Oh. What that is that, that, that doesn't even do it justice. No, that doesn't do it justice. Nah. That's supposed to be before and after. <coughs> yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> I don't I'm just recovering it. from a cold at the week. I'm a little congested, so the, I keep coughing. The real, the real key that's is a better that's, one. that's better. That's way better. That's much more accurate. <clears throat> and he's a guy who was known to take things. I mean, mm. he took things early in his career. Remember when he fought Randy when he oh, was yeah. 19? He was 240 pounds. Yeah, yeah, fucking, exactly. His neck started at the top of his head. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, I remember there was a, a picture of us both on the scale in Brazil. Mm. And... Uh, you know, looking back now, you go, holy shit. You know, anyone else would think, oh, have you seen this guy? He's kind of yeah. big, blah, 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 blah. But you don't think like that at the time. You can't as a fighter. If you start having those thoughts, those doubts, you start looking at a fighter's physique and thinking, oh, he looks good. Mm. You, you've already lost, right. you know. But in hindsight, you can look back and say, holy fuck, yeah. what was I thinking? You know, this guy's fucking rodied out of his mind. I remember on there, I was trying to get a rise out of him and he kept putting his hand in my face. I'm not a religious guy and, and you know, God bless anyone that is, you know, I, I, I mean that, I respect everyone's opinions, but I'm not. And as we know, Vitor is heavily religious and he kept sticking his thing in my face. He was pissing me off. So I said, Vitor, come here, come here. And he leans in. I said, there is no Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe there is, uh, maybe there is, you know, me getting uh, dropped with a head kick in the second round. <laughs> maybe that was God thwarting me. Who knows? What did he say? Some fucking Portuguese bullshit. <laughs> 
I don't know. There is the fine line, right, between talking shit and, uh, and backing it up. Yeah. But, you know, you... You you did a great job of pissing people off in your career, and that is that plays a factor. That whatever you can do to get just them a little bit out of their comfort zone, a little bit out of their composure, and you you were really good at that. Yeah, you know you know I mean I hate that to be uh, you know the first thing people say about me, but you know what's well, one it was a, it, it was a thing you know yeah. it, it was w- w- what I did, and in my mind. <laughs> You know, where I come from, my background, you know, if we're going to fight, then we're going to fight. And, and right. then it's all out war, you know, and, until it's all said and done. And if I can make you doubt yourself, if I can, you know, it's like at the weigh-ins. At the weigh-ins, that's the last time you're going to get a chance to stand in front of your opponent and mm-hmm. send a message to him. You know what I mean? And if you get in his face and you can just instill a little fear, puff your chest. That's why animals do it in the wild. Sure. You know what I mean? Puff your chest out, look intimidating, look as angry as you can, you know? And, and some fighters might just look at that and laugh and say, this ain't going to work on me. But some it does. Yeah. So, and, and, then, and then they don't fight to the best of their ability because they're slightly doubting themselves and they're not fully committing to the punch or the kick. And if they're not fully committing, they're not 100%, they're not fighting as well as they can be, and I'm winning that battle. You know, so yeah, you look like kind of a thug standing up there and pointing your finger and talking shit, but it's for a reason, you yeah, know. It works. Yeah, it, and it does. It's what McGregor? McGregor's yeah. the, the best at it. You know, he yeah. gets people to fold. Look at Dustin Poirier; he didn't even show up in that first fight. It's true. Yeah, he and yeah, he. I mean, he, don't get me wrong; he was great as well. You know, it wasn't just the trash talk. <clears throat> no, he's great as well. I think the Nate Diaz fight didn't. It didn't work in that fight. Yeah, Nate doesn't give a fuck. Doesn't give a fuck. There yeah, you go. Doesn't work. Exactly. It doesn't work. You talk shit at him, and he's like, "Fuck you." Yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make him feel bad at all. Yeah, he enjoys yeah. it. Yeah, I think no, it exactly. makes him feel comforting. Yeah. You know, well, like, you know, oh, I'm used just, to this. Just another day at the office. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a thing like a lot of people would wish that fighters were respectful and just you know treated it well the martial arts way and bow to each other and that's great it is you know it's funny I was working out this morning and the gym manager uh, he said he said you know I said I feel like that side of things kind of you know it's killing the UFC and and, and I said, shut the fuck up and I'm like you know I nodded away and like you know I was respectful to the guy yeah. um, but. I, I see his point. I understand what he's saying, but it's entertainment and it gets people... That, that's another reason why I used to do it. You're trying to sell the fight. You know, oh, you, yeah. want, you, want, <coughs> you want every product you're involved with to be as popular as possible, whether it's a podcast, whether it's fighting, whether it's... Yeah. Whatever it is. If no one's watching, no one gives a fuck, then you're not going to make much money. You're not going to get booked again. You're not going to be on the big cards. Yeah. You talk a little... I know from a consumer standpoint... If I'm watching a fight, I mean, look at that last week with uh, Fury and Wilder. Yeah. You know, I, I, was, I was eating out the palm of their hands. I mean, oh, yeah. it was an amazing fight. But, um, you know, it, it hypes it. It's great. It's, yeah. it's awesome to watch. I mean, yes, it, it, it is beautiful to see two fighters walk up there and bow and shake hands and all the rest of it. But it's also a little fucking boring, <laughs> if I'm honest. Like, when I'm working the Wayne shows, I'm like, give me something to talk about, right. please. You know, because I don't want to talk about your boring <laughs> last fight that went to a split decision when nothing really happened. But if you get in their face at the Wayne Great, we can pump it up a little bit. We can sell the fight. We can hype it up. Yeah, when they have these press conferences and no one's being mean at all, 
I mean, half the fun is talking yeah. shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you yeah. know, I'm enjoying myself. I'm in my element up there. It's like, you know, the famous one with GSP when he was like, are you intoxicated? Yeah. You know, and it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, I am. Well, yeah, I am. I'm in Vegas. What do you want me to do? You know, you don't yeah. want to fight until the end of the year and it's right. January. Okay. Right. If we were fighting in two months, I wouldn't be intoxicated. <laughs> but right now I am, you know, so, yeah. Well, there's been some hilarious moments in, in press conferences. I mean, the the one, the giant one with the UFC where uh, Jeremy Stevens calls oh. out to Connor and yeah, Connor goes, who yeah. the fuck is that guy? <laughs> I mean, that was hilarious. That was great. It, it really day. was good. It, it, honestly, every time I see that, I do laugh. It was That's great. All he had to say. Yeah. All yeah. he had to who say the was, fuck oh. is that guy? <laughs> but I don't know. But I think he was actually actually serious. He might have been. Like, who the fuck is this guy but calling me out talking I'm shit? I'm sure he knows who Jeremy Stevens is. I don't is. know. You don't think so? Maybe. Maybe. Ma- maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know everybody up there sometimes at press conferences. Yeah, you can't. You know what I mean? The UFC has more than 500 fighters on their roster. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when they have those giant press conferences and there's yeah. many levels of there's fighters. There's like 16 and, fighters up yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. impossible. Exactly. I like both. I like when fighters are respectful, and I like when fighters talk shit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did enjoy, it was nice to see uh, Brian Ortega and Max Holloway. Mm-hmm. They had that nice back and forth where Max, sorry, pardon me, Brian was, you know, he's like, listen, I hope you're well, and I hope you're over the injuries and all that type of thing. That was nice to see. It was mm-hmm. great. But they both were exuding confidence at the same time. They were both adamant they were going to win the fight. So it wasn't, they weren't being too... Overly cordial. Yes. You know? Yes. I don't yes. want to see that. Right, right, right. I don't want I, I don't want to see two fights pretending like they're in church or meeting the fucking president. Okay? Yeah. I want to see two guys that want to rip each other's head off. Yeah. Call me an animal. Call me a barbarian. Call me whatever you want. But that's what gets my, you know, yes. engine ticking. Well, even when they were at the, the final weigh-in and they're staring each other down, like, even though it was respectful, there was a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension. You, you knew oh, what you're was talking going about down. Max at the weigh-in, yeah. yeah. I never saw in. that one. When they were at the weigh-in and Max and Brian, they just stood you know, a couple feet away from each other staring at each other. And it was intense. It was real. Mm. That was a fucking hell of a fight, too. Yeah. Max Holy was incredible. Shit. He's incredible. He really is. Really is. I mean, I was kind of um, not concerned. And of well, course- you were the one who initially threw up the red flag. When you yeah. saw him, you just felt like... He looked too tired, or what? Well, he was slurring think? his words. He right. looked, he looked half asleep. Right. He looked like he just got out of bed. That's yeah. how he looked. And then he was slurring his words. And then, so I, I just said, "You okay, Max? Everything good?" And he's just like, "You know." Yeah. He was slurring. Simple yeah. as that. And yeah. I'm like, and of course, UFC tonight. You have a production meeting. We go mm-hmm. over the questions we're going to ask. So you've got them questions there in front of you. And I thought. I can't stick to these questions. I've got to ask this guy, are you okay? You know, Good for you. I'm well, glad you did that. Well, you know, I felt bad afterwards because then I heard that the fight was off and then I thought, shit, if I'd gone on, you know, two days, three days out from a fight, if I'd gone on fucking UFC tonight or whatever, just doing my obligations as a fighter and then another fighter on the roster is calling me out for an injury and now the fight's off, I'd have been pissed off with them. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, you know, that that's my choice if I want to highlight it. So I, I felt a little bad, but I really respected Max. He sent me a message thanking me. You know, he said, thank you. He said, my t-, you know, he said, I appreciate that. I needed someone to do that because he knew he wa- he wasn't one hundred percent. So well, yeah, you know. So anyway, I was saying I wasn't fully convinced that he was okay because it seemed like he was, 
I don't know, still slurring his words or yeah. whatever, but... Uh, he's no, kind of a mumbler. He's, he's a mumbler, yeah. yeah so mean, am I, you know. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he's... Uh, no, he was fine, though. He was more than fine, <sighs> more dude. More than fine. He looked insane. Insane. So and he, good. And Ortega fired back. Ortega oh, hit him third with some round. big shots. Third, third round hit him with a couple of big shots. And yeah, at the end of the third round, he's like, this is my round. Yeah, no, I saw Next that. Round. I told you, yeah. It's crazy. It's His crazy. fucking cardio, yeah, man. man. His cardio is incredible. Through the roof, you yeah. know. Uh, excellent footwork combinations, cuts angles well, reads the fight. That's mm -hmm. the main thing. You know yeah. what I mean? He reads the fight. So yeah. He reads the fight and he's 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 so good at implementing that strategy of like consistent pressure, constant angles, switching yeah. stances, and he switches stances flawlessly. Fights just as good southpaw mm -hmm. as he does orthodox and he'll switch in the middle of a combination yep. Yep. and then turn corners on you. Absolutely. And, Fuck, That's right. He's man. not there to be counted. Yeah, he's yeah, fucking no. amazing, man. Really good. And no. when you hit him back, he like claps. He's like, yeah, good, yeah, good, no, good. for sure. Keep well, going. remember against yeah. Ricardo Lamas. Yeah, and he just pointed at the floor. He's like, come mm -hmm. on, let's yeah. go right here. Let's stand and bang it out. Yeah, he's a that wild was motherfucker. Awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, it really he, was. You know, it's it's great to see that he is okay too. But I'm really happy that you did point that out because there was some issues and I think a lot of that probably had to do I'm just speculating mm. but probably had to do with that massive weight cut I mean he was trying to get down really quickly to 155 which is crazy right because he fights at 145 he's the champion and even struggling to go down from in the he was in the 180s mm. to get down to 155 quickly to fight for the Khabib, Khabib fight yeah, yeah. Because they yeah. offered it to him on last minute. Sure. You know, when Tony tore his knee apart. Was yeah. that on set with you guys? Were you well, there that day? I wasn't there. You I wasn't there, there now. But yeah. yeah, it was in the studios, yeah. What a fucking freak occurrence. That was crazy. Trips over some wires, blows his knee apart. What was it? The, the fight had been matched three times. Yeah. And then they're almost there. They're, yeah. they're at the finish line doing the final bit of press. Yeah, it's crazy. It trips you over can't write wire. that. It's, no. it's insane. You can't. It's such bad luck. It's like those guys are destined to never fight. Oh, they've got to fight now. I, 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 if I was the, if I could wait, wave a wand in any match I want in that division, that's the that's the match. I oh, want. for sure. Well, it's the fight that has to happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, Tony is uh in my mind still the interim champion yeah you know i mean i have he, no idea why they stripped him it doesn't it, make any sense to me listen tony's you know he's a he's a he's a character shall we say yeah <laughs> oh, he is a character he's a unique character but he in my mind he fought for the interim title he won the interim title and then he fucking blew his knee out yeah you know so you but know he blew listen his knee out doing press obligations he didn't do anything sure. stupid no exactly that's why it, i didn't understand that they stripped him mm. i was like this guy i mean the guy's ready to fight yeah I mean, yeah. and and then a few months later, he was ready to go again. He beats the shit out of Pettis. Yeah, no, no, and he looked incredible. Yeah, so I was kind of concerned in that fight as well because it was so fast coming mm -hmm. back, and I thought so fast. And apparently, he was doing his own rehab yeah. and doing all these wild techniques. And you saw that stuff online that he yeah. was doing. I thought this guy's gonna hurt himself again, but uh, no, he went out there and looked amazing. Apparently, he, really did. he didn't even do any sparring. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, interesting. I, mean, I need to find this out for sure yeah. from him, but the word I'm getting from people that know him is that he didn't spar. He just got it in incredible shape, and he said, look, this knee is healing up. It's in the process of healing, and during his camp, it was continuing to heal. And the interesting. Way, the way he kept that going is don't do any takedowns. Don't get your knee wrenched. Mm. Don't get leg kicked. Well, sparring is the hardest part of preparing for a fight, of course. You know, well, and, and the wrestling. Wrestling and sparring, they're the, yeah. they're, they're the toughest. Probably wrestling practice. Yeah. Actually, but uh, find a wrestler who doesn't have fucked up knees. Yeah, my knees are fucked. Not that I'm a wrestler, far from yeah. it, but uh, my knees are just destroyed. destroyed. Meniscus mostly. Well, I think I have a torn meniscus on my good knee right now. <laughs> That's my good knee, but my bad knee. Um, 
I, actually, GSP, the son of a bitch, he, he caused it back here. I was training for the Ultimate Fighter 3 final, and I was training with George, and we were training, you know, Zufa, the old Zufa headquarters, mm -hmm. they had that little gym at the bottom with the boxing ring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were wrestling in there, and my knee hit the floor, tore my PCL, and then just, I don't know, <sighs> one thing after the other, you know. That was, what, 13, 12 years ago? And it's just always been kind of fucked? Yeah, well... I'm sitting here right now. When we finish, I, when I stand, I'll limp like crazy because when I sit here like this, it, 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 it just up. seizes up like mm -hmm. crazy. So if I'm in a restaurant, I stand up and I walk like a moron. If I'm going to the bathroom, <laughs> everyone's like, fucking look at this guy. Jesus Christ. But then I walk back and I'm walking in fine. They're like, this attention-seeking bastard forgot that he put on a fake limp when he went to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's unseized now. It's okay. Yeah. It's just when I first stand up. Yeah, uh, a popliteal cyst. I mm. think I think that's what's causing that right now. Oh, so yeah. there's a cyst in there? I think so, yeah. You can well, get no, that there is. Drained. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I've I had know. cysts on my right knee. Mm. I've had them drained twice. Yeah, I've got to get that done. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, it is. The last time they just went in there and just pulverized it, went in there and just kept sticking it with needles. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got to get it done. I got to get that. Mm, I got to get a lot of shit done. Plus. Yeah, <laughs> my neck issue. Remember, we yes. were talking years yes. ago in Manchester yeah. about my neck. Yeah, I never well, got that you, taken care of. I mean, of. people didn't know, but why, I mean, it was hard for me to talk about. It. I didn't want to talk about it too much while I was commentating your fights. Mm. But you had a neck injury that was so bad; one of your arms was weaker than the other. Like if you were doing oh. bench press. Oh, for sure. Still to this day. Really? I mean, you could you could take that samurai sword. Mm. I don't advise right. it, and stick it through the the skin there, and I wouldn't feel a thing. Really? Well, I don't know if I wouldn't feel a thing, but I'm totally numb. Totally numb. I, I had a shower after my workout before, and then what I get a lot, I get like the, it's like I um, stinger. Yeah, but down the entire yeah, right side. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. in the shower. I was. Uh, it's happened a few times when I've been working on TV. I was doing this show called Hyperdrive for Netflix in the summer, and we were we were it was, we were it was night shoots. It was like four in the morning, and all of a sudden I'm doing this. And everyone's going, "Oh my god!" Oh my, I'm like, "It's okay, calm down." They're like, "Medic!" I'm like, "No, it's okay. It happens all the time." So yeah, it's just. Pinch nerve, you know, wow. C5, C6. I got to get it taken care of. Um, have you ever done any decompression or anything like that? Um, yeah, this it, it, It's all my my own fault. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm too old school. I need to go in and have treatment on my body, but it's yeah. like, it's a whole thing, Joe. Yeah. It takes, it, I'm a busy man. I you know, I, I haven't got an afternoon to go sit and, you know, Get massaged or decompressed. Or, I need to do I it. I need to do it. And and this year, 2019 is the year that I get all these little. Because my quality of life is still fine. You know what I mean. Right. I just I just grin and bear it and whatever, and just occasionally have a mini heart attack. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> I'll be okay. I'm fine. Um, but eventually, th this is the year I'm going to get all these little niggles taken care of. Well, there's a, a company in Santa Monica called Lifespan Medicine, and they do a procedure called Regenikine, and that's what Peyton Manning had done right. over in Germany. Kobe mm. Bryant had it done, and this is how I fix my bulging disc in my neck. Well, when I saw you there in Manchester, yeah. Dana tried to send me to Germany. Yes, and yeah. I was telling you, you don't have to go to Germany, yeah, you that's go to right. Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah they do the, it's exactly the same procedure. I didn't go to Germany. Yeah, don't go to Germany. I couldn't be bothered. Oh, well, that's the problem, <laughs> like, you didn't do anything. I, I don't want to go down and spend half an hour or half my day. I don't want to fly to fucking Germany and give yeah. it a week or whatever. So. It's not that much time. It'll know, take I you know. like a couple of hours, you do it three or four times, and they can fix it. No, I know. It'll I'm, decrease I'm all joking. the inflammation. The other thing is, there's a thing that they sell at Amazon. You just get it on Amazon.com or a bunch of other stores online, and it's a spinal decompression mm. harness. I've seen it. hanging on a door. Have you seen the thing where you use uh, 
You pump it oh, up yeah, with your I've hand. Seen that one too. Yeah. I thought that's what you were talking no, about. No, that's a good one too. I haven't used that one, but I have friends that have used that one. They like it a lot. It's not bad. It's not bad. The one that I use, you hang from a door. It's a little more hardcore. Right. It's hooked up to this harness. It clips to the top of the door, and you crank it. Click, 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 <laughs> click, 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 and you're like literally hanging. You're hanging. There yeah, I was gonna say in a chair, but it just. Oh, when you get out of there, oh, really? just, everything yeah, feels good. I'm going to try and get one of and those. And if you do it consistently, it'll decompress Oh, really? Yeah, I, you can I do it need in your to house. do that. I need to do that. Yeah, yeah, you can do it in your house. Just get up in the morning, you know, have your cup My of tea. My wife comes in and finds me hanging. <laughs> I've committed suicide <laughs> one day, dangling from the fucking door frame. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, well, it's, it, it won't kill you. It won't no, kill you. No, no. But it's, um, it, does make, it does feel good. And mm. it's, it's the only way that I know <laughs> of the, to really stretch your neck out that way. Yeah. 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 No, I do need to do that. I try and do it in the sauna. Was it wrestling that did your, your neck? Yeah, as well? for sure. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Fuck in fact, I remember it. I was going for a takedown and I think I ended up headbutting the floor. Yeah, at some that's point. a lot of it what happens. Yeah, yeah. What was that? Uh, there was one of the fighters from Alpha Male. There, he shot in for a takedown. The guy went for a guillotine uh, and he. He spiked himself, right, and then yeah. just never Seen walked again. Do that. Oh, never walked. Never walked again. Oh wow, yeah, Poor guy. became paralyzed. No way. Yeah, because yeah, as he shot, you know, he went in deep on the armpit. The guy went for the guillotine, so his head is trapped, and all their weight mm. together. Sure, you know, feet up in the air, the whole deal. Power, power double. Yeah, no, of course, yeah. And then you got two body weights. <sighs> yep, going right on your head, the neck as, yeah. as the. Uh, you know, the pressure point, if you will. Derek Lewis, who has the funniest Instagram of all time, for sure. Absolutely. Put, put one on yesterday of a girl. I think she's dead. She twerked, and she twerked standing on her head, and then she twisted her neck, and then her whole body seized up, stiff as a board. Well, I'm glad she... you and Derek find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this poor woman's family is... Uh... I hope she's okay. Yeah, yeah. I okay. really do. I hope she's okay as well, you know. <laughs> But, but you know, if she's not, there's nothing you do about it now. Well, no, there isn't, no. Yeah. Maybe we won't take the piss out of it on a podcast. you gotta, you got to look at Derek's Instagram on a daily oh. basis because a lot of the stuff gets taken down. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't been banned yet. <laughs> you know? No, I just I, think he's too popular I now. I followed Derek for a while. He's awesome. He's, he's hilarious. so funny. He's so, fucking he hilarious. Really is. He doesn't give a damn. No. Doesn't no, care. See, all. that's the thing. Yeah. You know, I, I see things. People send me things, you know, guys from back home. I, I got some things this morning, you know, yeah. but they're massively offensive. Right. You know, and I right, have a little right. chuckle in private, yes. you know. I'm not going to put that shit on Instagram. <laughs> I'm not going to put it for the whole world to see. What is this? Is he doing a movie or something? He's doing a movie, I think, but then ah, I think somebody the cold. other day said... Uh, <laughs> When John Jones sneezes on you, I, I saw somebody oh. put that <laughs> caption. <laughs> oh, John Jones. Mm. That's a, he's an interesting character, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, the big comeback. It's going to be a tough fight, man. That's a big fight. That's a big yeah. fight. Gustafson is no joke. The way that, I love the way they, they size up, too. The way they oh, match yeah, up against absolutely. each other. See, maybe that's why uh, John struggled a little bit the first time. Because he's not used to fighting somebody with the same frame, the yeah. same physical attributes mm -hmm. that make John so great, Alex also has. Yes. And what was his last fight? Was it uh, Teixeira? I think it was. Yes. He yes. looked amazing in that fight. Sensation. Best his hands were looked. so fast. Yeah. So fast. The combinations he put together, mm -hmm. they were beautiful. And really, the, really good. The final KO was like a video game sequence. Oh, dude, it was incredible. Yeah. It yeah. really was. It really was. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, that was like what we were looking at with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Like mm. two guys who'd never fought anybody that size before. They're no, both, for sure. Both fighting giants. Both fighting these yeah. really tall guys. Well, I know you had both guys on on, yeah. on the show. Um, and I listened to a little bit of yesterday's with Deontay when mm -hmm. I was picking my son up from wrestling. Um, 
But when I watched that fight, I... Sorry, not when I watched it. Prior to the fight happening, I I, I thought Deontay was going to win, okay? Um, even though Tyson is a very, very good technical boxer and for such a big man, he uses a lot of feints and a lot mm-hmm. of misdirection and he, he's very good. Um, I thought Deontay's probably going to catch him. But then when I saw that he weighed in at 212 pounds, I said, oh, it's over. There's no way. 212 pounds, it's too much of a weight disparity. It's, yeah. it's insane. But... Uh, yeah, still got that knockout power, man. Fuck. Unbelievable. He said he weighed 209 when he got into the ring. Yeah, I heard you saying that. 209. Yeah. As yeah. a fucking heavyweight. It's insane. Well, Friday that's what I thought. I thought, this guy is too light. Yeah. He's like a twig. The yeah. six foot seven, 209. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. It really is. That fucking 12th round KO, or the, dr- the oh well, it wasn't a KO, the knockdown, that was insane. It really was. He's got, like Teddy Atlas said it best, he goes, he's like fucking Thor with a hammer. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, all respect and credit to Tyson Fury for getting up. Fuck. I mean, I know there was all that talk and Deontay put it on his Instagram about it not actually being... 10 seconds about it being over 10 seconds mm-hmm. but still it, it is what it is it Ty- might have been Tyson over 10 seconds on the clock but the referee it's not the fighter's job to no, make no, sure that it's yeah, 10 seconds it's not on Tyson's the clock. Fury's He's, job to, to monitor huh. a stopwatch in the corner yeah, and say hey exactly. ref we're at, we're, at, we're at 10. No, if yeah. he hasn't said 10 and he gets up, yeah. fight's still on, you know? There's no telling that he couldn't have got up on an, the actual 10. He probably could have gone up at the actual count of 10 as well. Yeah, yeah. But just the way he got up and then managed to win the round. No, well, that's what really impressed me. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Tyson Fury uh, a, a few years ago. Uh, he, 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 I don't know, we had some stupid back and forth on, uh, on social media, on Twitter. But... Uh, what was it about? He, he, he was saying that some... <laughs> <laughs> Gypsy John, whoever he is, knocked me outside a nightclub in Blackburn. But the only problem with that is that supposedly at the time when I was living in America. So anyway, so, so it didn't happen. I've never been knocked out outside a nightclub in my life. But apparently, according to Tyson, it did happen. So I wasn't, you know, overly thrilled. Right. But i got to say, over the last six months, or even the year... You know, he really, really won me over. What he overcame, losing all that weight, going through that depression or slump, whatever you, yeah. you want to call it, and then coming back and, and looking so good. And then afterwards, the you know, the post-fight speech I thought was beautiful. Yeah. Um, donating all his money to charity. All of it. It's just insane. It's I mean, only $10 million if you to can't charity. respect that, then, then, then you've got a serious problem. So, I, so, I, so I, I applaud the guy, and I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I, I respect the shit out of both of them. Uh, and I think that what happened with you was during his cocaine days. So these, yeah, he was yeah. coked up and <laughs> drinking like a fucking fish. Probably. So he probably. was probably out of his mind when yeah. he said that. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Who cares? Yeah, he, Who cares? He went through a dark time. But you know what, what's fascinating to me is that he pulled himself out of it, not just mm. pulled himself out, but wants to pull other people out too. Sure. No, absolutely. I, I, and again... You know, donating all that hard-earned money, hard-earned money, hard-earned. and you know, you could, you could have just given a million, yeah, and everyone would have happy. thought that was amazing as yeah. well. That would have been a huge PR stunt, yeah. but no, he gave it all, yeah, and and that speaks volumes about the man. I mean, he even said, "I don't need it," you yeah. know. He's a gypsy. He yeah. doesn't need it. He's probably made enough money to retire already. Yeah. He's had some big fights. And, sure, the and Klitschko plus, fight. Yeah, yeah and, and the, the rematch will be even bigger. Oh, the rematch is going to be gigantic. They're Dude. talking about it somewhere April, May, June, somewhere around then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's going to be fucking no, insane. Yeah, That's one of the be... best boxing fights I've ever seen. Me as well. Yeah, it really I mean, was incredible. I felt like it was... Uh, 
it w- it looked like Tyson was outboxing him and you know using a lot of feints, a lot of movement, a lot of misdirection, a lot of let that yeah. herky jerky style. But that that's he does what he does. Until he that's got how caught. he confuses yeah. people. But then when he got clipped and dropped, I was like, yeah. oh. You know, I thought he was going to get caught with the left hook because I was mm. saying because we were. Um, there was the UFC Adelaide card on at mm-hmm. the same time. Yes. And we were at the Fox Studios. And when the Fox, de- sorry, the UFC deal with Fox is up, they switched to Pacific Coast, PCB, Pacific Coast Boxing, of which Deontay Wilder is one of their guys. So in the room where we were watching watching the Adelaide card, they've got the fucking Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury fight on. Now I've got to talk about the Adelaide card in detail and break it down and this and that. But there's one of the greatest heavyweight boxing fights you've ever seen in your life going on on that screen over there. So I'm like this watching, like doing this. A tennis match. Yeah, yeah, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. And anyway, but as I was watching it, obviously Deontay was looking for that big right hand mm-hmm. and Fury was doing a very, very good job of rolling away from it, just avoiding that shot. And I said, if he follows that with a left hook, he's, he's going to catch him. And eventually that's what happened. That was exactly what it was. And he caught him as he was going down, which is even more Mm. spectacular. Because I think he clipped him with the first one. Yeah, clipped him with the right hand, then caught him with the left hook as he was going down. And the fact that he got up after he was flat on his back, his arms are down, I think six out of ten referees would have stopped that fight right there. Mm. They would have waved it off. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, he looked... For a moment, he looked dead. Yeah, he looked out. Yeah, sorry, pardon me. He didn't look dead. He looked. Right. He looked knocked out. He looked unconscious for a, a few seconds. Yeah, and then the lights came back on. I know he came. It's interesting when a de- when a judge or a referee rather has a decision to make whether or not they decide to stop a fight, and it's one of the more frustrating things ever when a, when a referee stops a fight prematurely. It's rough. Mm. But then when you look at a fight like the Adana Stevenson fight this weekend. And I don't remember how to pronounce the Russian gentleman's name. It's with a G Z. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy who knocked out. So Adonis I didn't see Peterson. this, but the Adonis is in hospital in critical condition right now. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he's gone undergone brain surgery. He's got uh, apparently he's got bleeding on the brain, and it was uh, it was a it was a good knockout, but it wasn't particularly. Mm. It wasn't insanely vicious. It, yeah, so when you looked at it, you didn't think right. this guy's okay. going to have issues. Yeah. No, See, he, he sat up, he got up, they're like, he looks like he's okay, and it looked like, you know. But that's just, the problem with boxing. Yeah. You know, um, I think, what, what is it, 12 to 15 deaths per year mm. in boxing around the yeah. world. It, it's a very, very sad start. I guess, you know, I mean, you're involved with the UFC, you know, all the, yeah. the pro MMA. Um, dialogue that's put out there you know well boxing is more dangerous because it's only punches to the head and they mm-hmm. can take more blows but that guess, is the thing i guess it is true more blow. it is it is true yeah for sure the slightly bigger gloves you mm-hmm. can take more shots which has you know a well more, that's the argument more damaging for effect on the brain american football versus rugby as well mm. rugby is a better safer sport yeah which is crazy because yeah. there's no pads no helmets no nothing right but yeah but it's a better safe. I don't know sport. if anyone's ever died in rugby. It's not something that I hear about. It's not a narrative. I'm sure someone's probably. Yeah, died. no, for sure, it's exactly. A tough but, sport. It, but I don't think it's a thing. No. But unfortunately, I mean, you see, I mean, the poor guys. You see kids at high school. Yeah. There was one on the news. I think a couple of years ago, close to where I live down here, and uh, yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah, I would never let my kids play football. Mm. My kids wanted to fight. I'd say, look, you're going to learn how to fight correctly. But if you want to play football, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's yeah. just too, too many guys running at you full clip, clashing helmet to helmet. Well, the, well that's the thing, because they're young kids. Yeah. The young kids, and, you know, I remember when I was that age, you think mm-hmm. you're invincible, excuse yes. me. 
Pardon me. You uh, you think you're invincible, and certainly then you put on this giant helmet. Yeah. And you think you can just charge him with your head. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And unfortunately, that isn't the case. Well, we've gone over some of the most recent statistics that they've released on CTE with football players, and they're talking about from Pop Warner to high school to college to professional, the number like across the board, the number that exhibits CTE symptoms is staggering. Right. It's. it's I can only imagine the vast yeah. majority. I'm sure it is. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a fucking nutty sport, yeah. and rugby's better. It's a better sport. Yeah. It's a better sport. Well, in terms of, it's, a, it's a, to me. I, think I enjoy it's more rugby. Exciting. I used to play rugby. I used to love rugby. I was I was a pretty good rugby player when I was younger. But uh, it seems it's surprising to hear that from an American. You know, I don't watch football. Half an American and Joe. You know, I'm with a, the big American flag yeah. behind you, and you got the fucking. What, what are those? What what is that? That's from a Australia. wildebeest. No, that is a uh, an Asian water buffalo from. That Australia. was my next guess. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> is it the wildebeest or the Asian water buffalo? That's from me good mate Adam Greentree, ah. uh, who uh, shot that sucker and brought it over for me. Nice, to nice. Give me a yeah. little decoration. Yeah, but that's an invasive species in Australia. They shoot them out of helicopters. Oh really? Now they have to kill them. There's they don't have any uh, any well, other than crocodiles. And well, there's no jack meat one. or flesh on it. But if that thing. Had meat and flesh and bones and was running at me, I'd shit my pants. Fucking gigantic. Yeah, look at the animal. size of those old horns, man. It's a huge animal. Oh, and I can only imagine. A yeah. thousand pounds. Yeah. yeah. Cows, they're gigantic. Well, they have cows over there that are wild. They're called scrub bulls. Right. But you know how, like, we see a rodeo rider rides a bull and they, the bull's like, get the mm, fuck off yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. Crazy. Well, that's because they've got testosterone and giant balls <gasps> and they're fucking super aggressive. You never see a bull in the wild. Dude, I used to work at a slaughterhouse. I used to Did slaughter really? 500 cows a day. And the size of those fucking bulls will scare you to death. Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't looking at the cocks. I know that I'm saying their, their balls are like oh, a fist. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, giant. no. When I was 16, I come from a small town, and one of the uh, the local employers is uh, the slaughterhouse. And any oh. any any young loser like myself has done a stint at the slaughterhouse when they need a job, you know. And I went in and. Um, I was squeegee mopping blood into the drains. I was like, what the fuck is this? Oof. So I said to uh, the foreman, I said, listen, I could be of more use to you than this. He said, let me think about it. So I went off, had my break, had my bacon sandwich, came back and he's like, yep, you're right. You're a good kid. I'm going to make you an apprentice slaughterman. I was like, holy fuck. That's not what I was looking for. <laughs> and talk about shocking. Oh, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. It was insane. Insane. And I'm... Offending all the vegans and animal lovers. I'm an animal lover, big time, you know, but uh, you've got to make ends meet when you're a kid uh, living in a small town. Yeah, yeah. So how'd you slaughter them? Well, they, 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 they line up single file and eventually they come into like a little cubicle like this and you're mm -hmm. standing above them. And as they come in, you push a button, a door drops down and they're in this confined environment, like a big rectangle, like a big mm -hmm. cubicle. And you're raised up and you have this bell and you touch the head and then, you knock it on the head that shoots a bolt it uh. falls down and falls into the wall then you push a button and the door slides up and the cow rolls down so you run down the steps and as you're running down you grab what's called a piffin rod it's like a 8 foot long flexible piece of plastic it's in sterilised liquid you pull that out as you run down and then you put your like neon belly mm-hmm you put your knee on the uh, the head of the cow. You feel for the hole you just made in the hair. Then you get the end of the piffing rod. You push it into the hole. Whoa. You feed it all the way in Jeez. until it's all the way into about this much out the top of the head. How long's the rod? About eight foot. Eight foot. And you feed it all the way because it goes down the spinal column. 
So you, you're you're pushing... killing all the you're killing all the nerve endings. Whoa. And his eyes are popping out of his head. The thing's fucking kicking like a maniac. You've got your wow. knee on it. You're like, ah! Then you pull that out, put it back in the sterilized thing. You get a chain, put it round the the rear foot. Push a button. Strings it up. Pull out your knife. Here to here. Guts. Elevator doors like The Shining. Blood everywhere. Next one. Run back upstairs. Next count. Let's go. And if you're not quick, they're like, motherfucker, let's go, come on. Wow. 500 a day. I was such a pussy. I was such a little a bitch. Day. I couldn't do it. I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this. I'm going to have nightmares when I go home. I did it for about two weeks. And I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. See you, buddy. Too disturbing. Way too disturbing. <laughs> and, and, and the people that work there are a little disturbed as well, you know. I would imagine you get a little twisted a couple of years yeah. in the job. There. I mean, I think they were fucking with me because I was a kid. Right. You know, like... Because obviously from there, then they get, you know, the chainsawed in half and they start right. looking like meat. Right. You know, they go up and they take a bite. <clears throat> yeah, take a bite, Mike. It's an acquired taste, you know. And they would eat it raw? They, they were just doing it to fuck with me. Oh. You, you know you know what I mean? Right. A little 16-year-old kid, wet behind the ears. <sighs> but, uh, yeah. I didn't know that, that they was... stuck a rod through the, the hole in the brain yeah. all the way through the spinal yeah, column. Yeah, That's it's, crazy. It, it's, it's pretty shocking, yeah. I've never Pretty even shocking. heard of something like that. Yeah, piffing rod. That's what you call it. Wow. I wonder if that's standard practice still today. Because I've never, I've never seen, I've seen some awful PETA slaughterhouse videos. Yeah. yeah. But you, you, they it, die it, quick, though. It was it weird. Like they oh, die I, instantly. Very, very quick, yeah. They get through enough in one day. I couldn't do it now. There's no way I could do it now. When, when you're young, you know, yeah. your morals change as you get older, your feelings or your values change. Couldn't do it you, now. What if that was your only source of meat? Well, if it was my only source, source, of, source of meat, then the motherfucker's dying. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not a, uh, I, I know you're a big hunting guy. I'm not a big, well, I've never been hunted in my life, but if you're going to eat it to live, then, then, then good for you, of course. You know, it serves a purpose. Yeah. Well, I, I became a hunter because of those videos. Which videos? Those PETA videos of slaughterhouses. Oh, really? Yeah. I, like, yeah. I don't want to have any part of that. No, no. Well, well exactly. No, no, no. I, I respect that. I do. I'm not so much into their, well, I detest it, trophy hunting and things yeah. like that. You know, I know that's a... Yeah, no, I'm not into it either. I mean, oh, I, really? I don't understand the desire to hunt something that mm. you're not interested in eating. I yeah, I mean, these rich businessmen flying out to Africa and, yeah. you know, shooting... Elephants. A majestic beast or an elephant yeah. or, or a lion from a distance. There's yeah. no honor in that. There's no honor in shooting well, a lion even from close up. I don't yeah, but, but from it. a distance, hiding in the bushes and pulling a fucking trigger. Yeah. You think that makes you a man? You think yeah. that, you know? The only way, way that makes sense to me is if you're in a part of Africa where lions are consistently killing your livestock and you have to protect your livestock, which is yep. Colorado. There's a big issue with mountain lions and, sure. and, and a lot of it, Wyoming. There's a lot of places that have uh, hunting seasons on mountain lions. Yeah, absolutely. Of that. Yeah, the, the, I wouldn't say there's hard and fast rules for everything. Right, different right. environments, different situations, then yeah. you need, you know, a different approach, you know. Well, it, you, you know that Cecil the Lion thing, that whole story that went down and, you know. the What the, happened? The, I, I'm pretty, the, if you remind me, I think I know about it. I remember a, hearing something about it. A famous majestic lion that was in this park and the, the lion left the park and went into this area where it's legal for them to hunt and a, a hunter who's a dentist from America shot this lion right. and uh, everyone became very mad at this guy mm. because the lion had a collar on it which meant that there was a lion that they were tracking but the thing is that they can't see the collar when they're trying to shoot it they have this giant mane there's no way you're going to see where the was collar. this dentist from 
somewhere in America. Yeah, so he's a fucking asshole. Yeah, he just, you know. So so he what? It, 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 it was in my territory yeah. where I'm allowed to shoot. Yeah. All right, grey area, I guess. But like, the fact that you're flying out to fucking Africa to shoot majestic beasts, for yeah. me. That, that that's a weak excuse it is and this is coming from a guy that used to fucking kill 500 cows a day <laughs> <laughs> here's where it's fucked up for a though. week and I was an apprentice I didn't really do it very often when the very backlash much. hit and all these people were furious at that guy and then no one wanted to go over there and hunt lions mm. so because no one wanted to go over there and hunt lions the lion population exploded when the lion population exploded the undulate population all the you know antelope and all those yep, animals, yep, yep. dropped radically sure. so the wildlife biologists made an assessment that they had to kill some lions yeah. so they killed i think they wound up killing 200 lions and just dumping their bodies whereas for the money would have gone for those 200 lions they would have gotten fifty thousand dollars for each lion if a hunter had taken mm. them and then what they have done they take that money and they pour it back into conservation it's a very messy business sure absolutely you know and then and, and there you go there is the the, the argument for it yeah but it's which, a tricky which, which, argument which it, it is a tricky argument and I, I don't have the answers yeah. and i'm not educated enough to really sit here and debate it or or really cast any kind of opinion on anyone really i just shooting an animal from a distance i'm not a fan of that's well, about it. That, that, you shoot I, I know most that. of them from a distance. You kind of have to. Yeah, no, for sure. Like if I shoot an elk up close, that's a real problem. Oh, yeah, no, I'm absolutely. You're going to shoot first. And I'm not talking about you going out and uh, I've, I've seen your videos on your barbecue. It looks fucking delicious. It's really, it, it, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's awesome. Next I have no issue with that. I have I'll no, cook you some. Please, I would you'll, love you'll, to. You'll eat it and you'll go, holy shit. I'm sure I will. It doesn't taste like anything else, man. I love meat. I'm, I bet a, you do. I'm, Look I'm at a carnivore. I'm a carnivore for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm no, you're right. Look, it's a, it's a, the, the argument for it, you can make the same argument for people. Hey, we'll keep these people healthy. We just kill a couple of them. Well, well there you go. Yeah. Exactly. How about I, we know. have these really rich people come over from Germany? They spend $100,000 and they'll kill a few poor people. And that the rest of the poor people, mm. they're going to get all this money. And all There'll the be more houses for yes. them all. Right now, there isn't enough accommodation for everybody to live in. Let's just slaughter. Let's just cull. We just, just have a few, few hundred thousand. Let them loose in the hills. And we'll chase them with bows we'll and arrows. We'll just kill a few yeah. of these people. It's tricky. You know? It's not good. It's not, it's the, we'll kill some of the rapists and murderers coming over the yeah. border. Job solved. And then the other the other problem is even the animals that make sense. I to don't hunt. think there's rapists and murderers coming off the border. Well, it's probably way. a couple. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. I, mean, I think there's a few. A couple. Yeah, most of them are just poor folks and want a better. No, life. for sure. And yeah. no shame on that. Well, you're an immigrant. My family yeah, is absolutely. I mean, we're all pro product of immigrants. This uh, whole fucking country. Yeah, of course. Unless you're Native American, you should probably shut the fuck up. One hundred percent. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, no, that's totally here. Right. Yeah. No, I know. That's the funny <laughs> thing. I'm like, really? Here. Fucking show me a third generation American in yeah. this country. They're, they're hard to come across. They are. You know? Yeah. Everybody I meet out here claims to be English when I meet them. Oh, yeah. My, my, my fucking auntie's English or Irish or they all claim to be Irish. You guys love to claim an Irish descent. Really? Oh, yeah. Is yeah. this recent? Is this because of Conor McGregor? Uh, you guys fucking love to claim. My, my mom's Irish. My mom has an Irish accent. Okay, mm. she fucking talks like Desmaker, right, Joe? Hey. Right, she's Irish as they come. Hey. I've never once claimed to be Irish. There you go. I is what I say to everybody. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'm Swiss. I'm Italian. I'm this." Does anybody in your immediate family talk with an Italian accent? No. Well, shut the fuck up, because <laughs> you're American, okay? And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Be it's proud okay. of that. Yeah. You're not English just because your great 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 grandmother. Grew up in Ipswich or Gloucestershire or somewhere. Yeah. Doesn't make you you English love. So your kids, that's kids okay. your kids' kids will be American. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. 
basically. Yeah. We got green cards recently, so yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, they will be, yeah. How does that work? You have to mind your P's and Q's. If you get in trouble over here, they ship you back? <laughs> um, I, I guess. That's tricky, right? That's one well, good I, thing about well, being I'm American. Well, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, 20 years ago, it would have been an issue. Right. But yeah. these days, I'm you're fine. A I'm a gentleman. I'm a oh, fine no gentleman, Joe. Come on, man. You're a businessman. You're Jeez, come on. employed. You're killing it. Killing it. commentator. Oh. You've got a podcast. You're doing movies. Oh, it's all over the place. A lot of you shit's know? happening. Yeah, we're good. We're Don't good. have to worry about we're not, you. We're not hanging out in bars getting knocked out oh. by gypsies. <laughs> 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 they were the old days. You are getting into the movie business, right? You've been doing a few movies. Weren't you doing a movie during the time you were doing the Rockhold fight? That's right. Yeah, I was filming Triple X. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I've been out there for about three months. And then I was flying home and uh, I was looking for some walkie-talkies for my seven-year-old. Uh, I don't know why. I thought that'd be a good idea. Turns out getting hold of walkie-talkies isn't very easy these days. I went on a fucking wild goose chase trying to get these fucking walkie-talkies <laughs> that didn't even get played with. He was like, yeah, cool, I've got a phone, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I should have thought of that. But, um, and as I'm looking for them, I checked Twitter, I got a coffee, and I see Chris Wyman and pulled out. So, yeah, I text Dana. I said, listen, if, uh, if this is true, you know, you know where I am. And he was like, oh, great, we love that, you know, blah, 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 blah. But Jack Array is our first option. So I thought, for a minute there, I thought I was getting a title shot, and I thought, there's no way Jack Array is going to turn it down. So I went to my buddy's Jason's house and watched a basketball game and had a few drinks and, you know, didn't party as such. I was on set the next day, but I had a few drinks. Now, if I knew I was fighting for a world belt in two weeks, you know, I would have been on a strict diet, not overindulging, but I definitely overindulged. And then the next day, I'm walking into the gym, just have, you know, just a little light workout. And my phone starts exploding, lighting up like a Christmas tree. And I'm like, what the hell? And then Ariel Hawani calls me. He's like, Mike. Dana just announced on SportsCenter that you're fighting for the belt. I'm like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? This is the first I heard about it. I'm like, fucking Dana. That is ridiculous. Yo, God bless him. So uh, I'm like, oh shit. So I'm panicking like crazy. How much so, did you weigh? So I, that's the first thing I did. I ran into the uh, changing room, got on the uh, scale. I was like 215, 216. Is that rough? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like to what be- What do you like? A week before, I like to be 200 pounds. So this is two weeks before. I'm- um, I'm 215, so I'm like, shit, screw the weights, I need to run. Right. So I just run out of the gym, throw my backpack on my shoulders, and just I'm sprinting through Toronto City Centre like a madman. Of course, there's traffic lights every 30 seconds, right. so I don't want to stop at the traffic lights because that's no good. So I'm just running out, nearly getting run over by taxis, and jumping over homeless people, falling over, <laughs> ducking and diving. It was great training. And... Um, and then Dana called, so I'm negotiating, you know, the fight whilst running through Toronto, <laughs> and then uh, carried on going, and then I end up like in the middle of nowhere, just running and running and running, and then Jason Prillo gets on the phone, and uh, you know, all, all the doubt starts creeping in. I start thinking, Jesus Christ, this is so typical of my career. I've won a title fight my whole career, you know, been through many ups and downs, and now here I am. I get the title fight. It's on two weeks' notice. I've been filming a goddamn movie. I've been near a gym, MMA gym, for a while doing anything. And it's against somebody that's already beaten me. So I'm kind of destined to fail. This is so fucking typical. And then Jason got on the phone and, you know, he talked to me around big time. You know, he said a lot of very positive things. Jason's an amazing coach. Absolutely. He really is. He's incredible. He really is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of trainers out there. Uh, there's a lot of Padmen. You know, there's a lot of fakers in mixed martial arts, certainly these days. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, guys that really have true heritage in martial arts or any kind of steep history in combat sports, they're few and far between. Yeah. You know, you can train, any guy can 
watch a video and it's a little bit of coordination how to hold pads. And you mm-hmm. see them. It's the, the, all the craze, isn't it, these days? Mm-hmm. Hitting pads to get fit. You know, one, two, left hook. Woo! You know, mm-hmm. just because you can do that and hold pads doesn't make you a coach. Right. Does not make you a coach. And there's a lot of fakers out there. But Jason is not one of them. He, he speaks from the heart and he knows what the fuck he's talking about. And we had a good chat. And by the end of it, I was I, I was feeling a lot better. And uh, yeah. So when you were filming that movie, were you working out at all? I was doing vanity workouts. I I like to run, certainly when I'm in a city. So I was running probably three or four days a week, a 4.2-mile run. Not too bad. Yeah, yeah, so so, so I was running and I was lifting weights a few times a week, you know, biceps and shoulders. Right. You know know what I mean? Yeah, chest press. Lots of chest press, you know what I mean? Uh, And then um, GSP's coach, Jorge Blanco. Do you know Jorge? No, I don't. He's a very, very, very good trainer. Um, Rashad Evans put me on to him whilst I was up there. I went to see him like, Two or three times, you know, uh, but no, not not training as such. But uh, yeah, just worked a out. little bit of exercise. But sometimes that's good anyway, right? So it gives your body a chance to recover. Well, that's what I said afterwards because I went into that fight feeling so strong, feeling so good. I'm like, because I I consistently overtrained every single fight in my career apart from that one. Uh, and I, I said, How oh, I'll learn from this. I'll learn from this, and y- you don't. And it's like Jason Prillo always says. Um, it takes confidence to take a day off to rest the body, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And now, of course, there's a fine line between having the confidence to take a day off and being a lazy bastard and saying, I'm going to sit on the couch today. Right. You know, but if, yeah. but if you know, listen, I'm good. I'm going to take a day or two off because I need it, you know? So that was one of the mistakes I made with my career. I always trained too much. And Jason said, you know, I used to mind fuck myself because it meant so much to me. You know, my fight career meant so much to me. I used to overcomplicate it, overanalyze it, overwork it, stress myself out with it, you know. And uh, that that was hindering my performances. You know, I never once fought to the to my ability of what I performed in the gym. Never once. Uh, I remember one day I pulled up outside Ruka and Jason was waiting for me outside. And I pulled up and he says, Mike, come here. Can we have a quick chat? I said, yeah, what's up? He said, listen, a bunch of good guys in there, okay? He said, but you're a fucking world champion. Can you go in there and spar these guys and act like a world champion? They're here, you're up there. Act like it. Don't go in, lose your fucking temper, spaz out, stress out, act like a dick, say things you regret. You know when the sparring's not quite mm-hmm. necessarily going your way, you, you know, you, you get a little pissed off or whatever, you know, say your jiu-jitsu coach is catching you and tapping you out a little bit and you start getting a little frustrated. He said, can you just, you know... Can we have none of that, please? And great advice. Just like when I uh, I was fighting for the belt, when I flew home from doing that movie, I went straight to the gym when I landed, and uh, Jason said to me because I was always stressed, you know. And he said, "Listen, um, we don't know if you're going to win this fight, Mike. You know, fingers crossed. I, I believe in you. I believe you're going to win this fight, but we don't know if you're going to win this fight. So this might be the only time you're ever." gonna fight for a world title right i said well yeah possibly he said well let's enjoy the process you know let's go through this with a smile on your face he said this is huge he said you're in a position that everyone would kill to be in you're fighting for the championship you're fighting for the belt you've wanted this whole this your whole life enjoy this you know and it was such amazing advice because i was like yeah you're right and i went through the whole thing with a big smile on my face and when you clipped rockhold I remember thinking, holy shit, 
when I see Rockhold's legs buckle and I see him stagger backwards, I was like, holy shit, he got him. And then when he stumbled against the cage and you bashed him and stopped him. <laughs> I, I can't help but laugh because it, you know, it does bring a smile to my face. I, I, almost like I couldn't believe it. It was like a, like a movie. It was like it was it was one of those things because you were a big underdog coming to that fight. Everybody knew you took it on short notice. Yep. Everybody knew that you were working on a movie. And so for you to land that when you landed that left hand, you missed it once before too. And I remember thinking, like, yeah. man, that is fucking close. Mm. Like that's close. Like you saw this opening for that left hand. And you, you clipped him over the top of the shoulder, he didn't see it coming. Bang! You drop that left hand on his chin and you see like his eyes roll back and his legs give out. Yeah. Fuck, man. Well, that, that was the whole plan, the left hook. You know, Jason had seen that he was open for that, and I'd seen he was open for that. And he was even doing this exercise on these bands, and like uh, resistance bands, whatever. Mm -hmm. He was doing this, and his chin was up, and his right hand was down at the end of it. And Jason said, he's, he's drilling these moves here, and he's finishing here, that left hook, all day long. And, um, you know, he's coming forward, and we're, we're exchanging punches, and nothing really significant has landed. And I just, right hook to the body, whoo, just whip the left hook, and... You know, as a fighter, when you when you land a good shot, because you, you get the feedback on your fist. Yeah. There's nothing like it. You know what I mean? When, when when you feel that that solid connection and the knuckles go through the glove, you know, and you mm -hmm. feel it, you're like, oh, oh, that was a good one. And then boom, he falls down. I'm like, holy shit, hold on. And then he gets back up. I'm like, fuck you, boom, back yeah. down. <laughs> and then uh, he went down, and obviously he's got very good jujitsu, and he was kind of sat back against the fence and I thought I've got to be careful not to go in his guard but uh, yeah I got the finish felt the best feeling I've ever felt in my life was big John McCarthy's gigantic forearm nearly pulling my head off my shoulders as he wrestled me off him because he knew it was over because I knew it was over it was great what, what did that feel like when you knew you did it? It, it one of the best feelings in the world one of the best because you know for, for me you know, the amount of fights I've had is unbelievable, professionally and unprofessionally. You know, when I was a kid, that's all I was, you know. That that, that was my only identity as being a fighter, you know, and just being that, that guy, you know. Unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, well, it's wrongly. It's wrongly, you know, of course it is. You know, I was, I was a fucking idiot when I was a kid. I was fighting so much. But that's what I clung to, you know. I, I, I was a fighter, and that was the only thing that I could draw pride from, you know. And uh, be, becoming the world champion, knowing that everybody wrote me off, knowing that everyone talked shit about me, you know, uh, other fighters, just, just, you know, it was everywhere. You, 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 I, I heard what people always said about me, do you know what I mean? So to, to win like that in style in the first round, yeah, yeah, it felt Look amazing. There it is right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rockhold was very upset. Yeah, he was, yeah. You know, you talked a lot of shit to him even after you beat him. <laughs> well, well, hold on. And the, the, my wife was behind me there, and she deserves a shout out because if it wasn't for her, none of this would have happened. But uh, with Rockhold, with what happened after the fight, so I okay, there's a few things that I regret that happened after the fight. First of all, I jump on the fence, and I'm just so worked up. I screwed that. Fuck you. Whatever. No big deal. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that one. Um, and then as I'm doing my like victory dance, if you will, I'm, I, I do a lap of the octagon. And I cross paths with, with Luke, pardon me. And I'm like, hey, you know, you say whatever yeah. you say, you know, unlucky bird, you know, good fight, whatever, blah, 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 blah. I said that and I carried on having my moment. I was just out of my mind on adrenaline and just having a great time. And then I found myself, I'd done an entire lap of the octagon again and I was passing him again. 
So I just thought I'd extend my courtesy one more time. I'm like, yeah, you know. And I put my hand out and he said, I already shook your hand. I'm like, oh, really? You're still going to be a dickhead? He's like, yeah, I already shook your hand. So then I was like, okay, well, now the gloves are off. I said, don't worry, buddy. You're in an octagon. You've just been knocked out. It's okay. You'll figure it out in a minute. Don't worry about it. You'll come too, bud. You'll be good. So I kind of looked like an asshole because people didn't see that. He would, he refused to shake my hand the second right. time. You know, I was like, well, go fuck yourself then. And then when you <laughs> gave me the microphone, <laughs> when you gave me the microphone, I said the most crude comment ever. I'm like, I've been fighting ever since I came out of my mother. I'm like, whoa that is not an image that I want to portray to the world when I win the world belt you know what right. I meant was ever since I've been born right. you know but in, in the moment right. you know the, the words escaped me a little bit and, and I painted a rather disturbing image of my mother giving birth to me but uh, but yeah yeah, I didn't choose my words too carefully there but uh, yeah no it was great man well you can't be held accountable for that I mean that's it, it, there's no one that's ever going to be able to understand that other than someone who wins the title Yeah, no, no one's going to know what that felt like <coughs> it's impossible it's in, it, it was incredible it really was it really was yeah uh, I can only imagine it was a good one. It was good. I'm just happy that for you, uh, you know, having a chance to see all your fights and and see your career go for as long as it went, that you did go out with a title. That is that is a yeah nice for sure. Thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, as I say, uh, that was for me. I'm not sure. Well, well, I wouldn't have retired. I wouldn't have retired yet. Really? You know? Yeah. No. No. Because because I, I I know I could still do. It. I could still fight now. You know, I can still. But but the time was right. You know, and then I started having issues with my good eye as well after yeah. the Gastelum fight. So I'm like, you know, this isn't worth it. How is your it. eyes now? Because you you had oil in one of your eyes yeah, protecting. Yeah. Can you explain how that was going on? Yeah, so when I detached my retina, um, they did what's called a scleral buckle. Uh, and if, you, if, you, if you've watched the surgery, it's absolutely disgusting. But uh, one of the things that they do, they put gas inside your eye. And I think it... If I'm getting this wrong, I apologize to all doctors, but it kind of kind of helps hold the retina in place. Um, but you can't fly with that. And I was filming a movie in England a few weeks later. I said, and I said, y you can't do that. I said, I'm filming a movie. And they went, okay, there's another way we can do it. It's a little more unconventional. We can put oil inside there, but then you, with that, you can fly. So I'm like, okay, cool. Do that. So uh, they did that. Uh, and yeah, you know, it's... And then, and then it redetached, and then I got glaucoma. I, I just had a lot of bad luck. I did. Jesus. Whatever can go wrong with an eye, trust me, I went through it. But it looks different now. Yeah, it, do, yeah, it does, yeah. But it looks better than it looked before. It looks great. It look yeah. What did you do? <laughs> looks great. Don't worry about it, Joe. Oh, you don't want to talk about it? Okay. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. It's okay. It's a, it's a corrective lens. Oh, okay. It's a corrective lens. It's a prosthetic. So can you see well out of that eye? I, I, I see um, a tiny, 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 tiny bit. Oh really? Yeah. So I don't. I don't really see out of it, and the vision's very blurred. I mean, I, I was able to pass the test to pass to be able to clear by a commission to fight. You got to have twenty two hundred vision, which I was able to scrape by with the skin of my teeth. Wow. You know. So and my doctor was always amazed that, that I could still see to that amount if I if I squinted in the right direction and I turned here and the light was just right. I could just about make out twenty two hundred. Wow. So. Uh, but what happens is then, because then, then, you're seeing two different images, distorted images, so your brain cancels the distorted one, you know, so. But the depth perception remains the same? No, depth perception's a real issue. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, it, was, it was a 
issue throughout my last few fights. For me, the, the main thing, I mean, as I say, you know, uh, I, I was cleared medically by the doctors and, you know, the UFC were very, very on top of all of that. The UFC, you know, sent me to a number of different doctors and whatnot. And as I say, uh, I passed the test just, but it was, and every time I did, the doctors were like, we don't recommend that you fight. You know, of course, twenty two hundred vision. It's still clinically blind. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, but it never slowed me down. It didn't slow it, you it, down. It, That's it, what's crazy. A lot of guys would have retired. Looking back now, I, if I not that I sit there at night and get drunk and watch my old fights, I've never done that once. But if I ever do see some old fights back, which occasion just happens by chance. You know, afterwards, I'm always calling for a shot at the belt or whatever. I, I said to my wife, I said, what the fuck was this guy thinking? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> He's out of his mind, you know, <laughs> absolutely out of his mind. But at that time, it, it, quitting and trying to not become the champion did not even occur to me for a split second. Giving up never even occurred to me for a heartbeat. Why is that? Is this how you've always been? Is this something you cultivated? I still felt that I could, I, I could win it. Simple right. as that, you know. Um, but a lot of guys, if they had lost most of the use of one of their eyes, would have been done. They yeah, been for like, sure. No, no chance. This is not worth it. Yeah. No, I know. Um, and probably the smart thing to do would have would, would have been one of those guys. But for me. You know, I, I it meant a lot to me. I, I wanted I wanted to become the champion. I knew I could become the champion, contrary to popular belief. And um, this is me. The, 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 it was my identity. And until I won that belt, I wasn't happy. Now, when I won it, my wife said she wanted me to retire. When I fought Luke in, in LA, she said, if you win, I want you to retire. I said, babe, if I lose, then I'll retire. Okay, because fair enough, I got my title shot. You know, it didn't go my way. It is what it is. I would have had closure on that. I said, but if I win, you're out of your fucking mind if you think I'm going <laughs> to retire. Said, Come on. I'm the champion of the world. I'm going to milk it for a little bit. Finally earn some decent paydays, you know. Uh, so, yeah. But um, it all worked out. Well, the big fight with GSP. I mean, oh, yeah. That's, that's why that took place, because you had that belt. Yeah. You know, I mean... I mean, George, fight. George beat me fair and square that night, but uh, there was a lot going on <laughs> going into that camp. That uh, the final week, and and again, I, I never said anything at the time because God bless George, and he's a great guy, and I, I respect the hell out of George. I really do. How can you not? You know, I mean, I know mm. I talked all that shit leading into the fight, but that was just me having a laugh. You know, right. I was literally having fun with it. You know, no really will towards George. It seemed like you were enjoying it. Yeah, I was just having fun, just busting balls. You know what I mean? I, I think George is incredible. I think. George is the consummate professional. He's an inspiration to all aspiring martial artists out there. If there's one man you can model your career on, the way he trains, the way he looks after his body, the way he cross trains, George St. Pierre would be that man, you know. He's an inspiration to myself, you know. So uh, nothing but the greatest of respect. But people, as we said at the start of the show, that doesn't sell. People don't want to <laughs> see that. People don't want to see that. Right. So I'll, I'll play the bad guy. I've been portrayed as a bad guy my, my entire career, you know, by the UFC, the editing, you know. Mm. I've fallen foul to some creative editing. I've fallen foul to my own mouth as well at times. Yes. So, you know, come on, uh, you know, I'm my own worst enemy as well. But um, the week before the fight. Yeah, week before the fight, uh, at the best training camp of my life, you know. Uh, sounds braggy, but knocking out multiple sparring partners, not on purpose. It just, I felt 
incredible. Felt absolutely incredible. Final sparring session, we had my protein, they'd flown in for a photo shoot. There was someone else there for a photo shoot. The gym's absolutely packed and we got some guys in there sparring me. And, um, you know, everybody wants to be the guy, you know, that, that, that gets the takedown or whatever or gets the submission on the guy. That's You know, that's how it is. Yeah. That's why I don't like going to too many MMA gyms when I was fighting because every time you walk in, you have a target on your back. Anyway, it was the final round. We'd done five rounds. It was the Friday before the fight. And this guy shoots in, shooting a double leg, runs me all the way across the octagon like his life depended, it, depended on it, picked me up, slammed me down, and his shoulders went right into my ribs, and I felt it instantly. Just all the cartilage just tore completely. And um, I just started swearing and screaming out, fuck, fucking, you know, because I knew, I knew. Mm-hmm. I went, uh, saw a doctor and whatnot, and uh, yeah, it wasn't good, so I was... I got treatment every day and I was having ice on me and all that type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it wasn't working. So what we came up, we came up with this plan. I was going to inject myself with lidocaine before the fight because it, it will numb you. But the problem is the area where it was, was uh, you, you, you can pierce a lung. It's where I have to go in. You, you, you can piss along and bleed to death. Because internal bleeding. Yeah. So I got this doctor and I was going to... I had the needle, I had the lidocaine and I was going to fucking go in and sneak into the toilet and FaceTime the doctor and he was like, okay. <laughs> and anyway, the oh whole thing, it was, just, it was just too on top. It was it was bullshit. I was like, fuck this. This is the stupidest plan ever. Bollocks to it. I'll fight with the sore rib. A bit of adrenaline and you're not going to feel it anyway. Which I didn't on the night, you know. But people said, oh, you didn't look yourself in there. You weren't moving too much. I said, yeah, no shit. I couldn't move. But uh, but as I said, hey, all credit to George. God bless him. He did great. Did you? Was this a, a sparring partner that you had sparred with regularly? No, he, he came. Uh, Dean Amasinga, great guy. Um, just came in from England for a co- the last couple of weeks. So it was Dean who took you down? Yeah, yeah. I know Dean very well. Yeah, D- you know Dean, yeah. Yeah, yeah fucking Dean the prick. I love that dude. Dean, yeah. what the fuck, dude? Yeah, no, he's a great guy. Dean's awesome. He's great. Yeah, he's, he's great. You know, it's, it's the way it goes. You, you're training and, uh, yeah. What are you going to do? Fuck. So many fights. I mean, that was Rafael Dos Anjos when he was supposed to fight McGregor. Like last oh, really? round, the last sparring, kicks an elbow and breaks his foot. Oh, so that's why Diaz came in. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This happened to so many guys. It's such a fine line. Because yeah. because you feel good. You've trained so hard, you feel great, and you think, oh. Like, your coach will say, okay, let's call it there, guys. We're good. We'll call mm-hmm. it there. And you're like, I don't know. I feel good. Come on, let's get one good one in. Because sometimes I normally train uh, spar Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And if the Wednesday spar goes really well, you're like, let's end it there. Because you want to end on a really good spar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you you feel like a world champion. You feel right. great. You know, you, you remember how you handled all your sparring partners and, and whatever good shots you landed and you didn't really take any damage. That's a great, that's great momentum to go into the fight with. And you don't know if you have another sparring session, it's going to go like that. Right. You know, you might be tired, you might be worn down. Those guys might be on their game that day. And if you get a tough sparring session, well, then you want to do one more because you can't go into a fight after getting your ass kicked in a sparring session. Right. You know what I mean? That's not right. good karma or energy to go in there with. Um, so it's always a weird one. It's a fine, it's a fine balancing act. But uh, yeah, there you go. Do you, uh, when you look back on your career, would you have done anything differently in terms of the way you prepared? Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. A lot of things, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean... Like, if you had a time machine, 
Yeah. You can shoot yourself oh, if, back if I, to if I could do it all over again, yeah. I'd do way more things. Yeah, what, what it'd be so do? different. Well, one, I wouldn't balloon up in between fights. Uh, Discipline between fights. You know, I, I didn't exercise enough of that in between yourself. fights. Yeah, a little too much. You know, uh, these days I look after my body way more now than when I was fighting. It's so fucking hypocritical, you know. It's so silly. Now I'm, well, because now I don't have the luxury of going through a fight camp to get in shape. Right. You know what I mean? So now I've got to stay in shape. Simple as that. Whereas in the past, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll have a pizza. I'll have a few beers. I'll have a dessert. I'll do, I'll, I'll eat whatever I want. Right. And then when I'm in training camp, switch it on. But, but it's not good for the body. So th- that would be one. Um, yeah, many things, many things. You know, I, I don't really want to throw anyone under the bus or whatever. But yeah, right, so training-wise, y- y- yeah. Y- y- there's things that would have changed. You mm-hmm. know, there, there was a group of people that I was involved with yeah. in England for a while. Definitely wouldn't have, wouldn't have wasted my time with those fucking assholes. Did you get clear of all that legally? No, not yet. Still going Jesus on. This Friday, there's Christ. another hearing in the courts. Yeah. Jesus lies, Joe. Lots of lies. Lots but of. But this lies. has been going on for what eight eight years. Yeah, something like that. Yes, it's 2011. So I remember you telling me about this when we were in England together. Yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago, man. It was a very long time ago. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. There's a lot of scumbags out there, people that want to take your money. So It's hard for young fighters, too, when they get contractually obligated to someone that doesn't suit them later in their career, but then they start becoming successful, mm. and they're still contractually obligated to those yeah, people for that sure. they started out with. It's a very common issue with fighters. Yeah, well, for me, I wasn't contractually obligated. I, I kept my mouth shut. I, I, I did my five years and, and moved on, but... Uh they saw it a different way, so they came out with some totally fabricated nonsense about camp bills going back to 2006. They just created invoices and just Ugh. just totally fabricated an entire case. Not a single email, not a single signature, nothing. It's laughable that it even got this far, but if you've got brass balls on you and you're willing to stick to a story and talk a lot of shit and lie, you, 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 can, you can go a long way. Oof. It seems, but I don't want to talk about that too much because uh, I'll probably end up getting fucking sued Have again. You thought about training fighters? I would love to. Yeah, I, I really would love to because I feel this was one of my issues as I was a coach. Sorry, pardon me, as a, as a fighter because believe it or not, you know, I mean, I retired at thirty nine years old, um, and at the time, I had the most fights in the UFC, and you know, and whatever. Believe it or not, I know a thing or two about how to prepare for a mixed martial arts fight. You know, so that was one of my conflicting things always with my coaches. I, not that I didn't respect them, but I, I would always kind of feel maybe I should be doing this or should be doing that. And, and, and that's what I would do a lot of the time. I was like kind of like the head coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jason Prilla was probably the head coach, but I would like be the one that did the program and need to work on this. I'll see that guy on that day. Right. You know, um, so yeah, I, I would love to. I would love to. Right now, I've got a lot of things going on and, and, and life is good. So I don't really have the time to dedicate myself to it. Right. And actually, I'm kind of enjoying just, well, I'm still working for the UFC doing the, you know, the, the, the fight coverage stuff. But it's enjoyable to be doing something different. You know, after being submerged in it, totally submerged for so long. It's refreshing to be doing something else, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but, but but one day I would love to, for sure. Well, you're seeing it with fighters. Um, there's some of them that are making those transitions into, into training. And yeah. who better to know what it's like 
to prepare for a fight than someone like yourself who had so many fights in the UFC. I mean, if it's almost like that knowledge and experience is almost wasted, or at least goes the the, the experience of how to prepare kind of goes away if you if you don't pass it mm. on. Because well, otherwise, someone has to go through all the stuff sure. you've been through to yeah, learn. Yeah, absolutely, it. Joe. Um, and th and that's partly why I do want to do that. When yeah. the time comes, as I say, it wouldn't be fair to anybody right now because I haven't got the time to commit. Right. You know, I'm working on some things and hopefully they all come off and uh, I've got some free time and I can sit on my ass. You know, everyone's always like, oh, congrats on the retirement. I'm like, fucking retirement? I'm working harder than ever these days, you yeah. know? Maybe I need to come out of retirement to get some free time back, <laughs> you know? Uh, but... Um, when the time comes, I would love to do that. That is the best case scenario, though, your situation, because you, you've retired into a very profitable career, whereas there's a lot of fighters, they're lost when it's over. They don't know what to do. Always scared me. Yeah. Always scared Good me. Good for you. Good it, for it, you it, for thinking it, like it that. It terrified me right from day one. So I left school at 16, you know, no education, like a fucking idiot. That's one of my big regrets in life. Small town boy, you know, northwest of England, not a lot going on there. Beautiful little town, but, you know, tiny little town. Uh, not a lot of opportunity and just fell into a rut, you know, working minimum wage in factories, you know, from seven in the morning till six o'clock at night, just doing mundane, medial shit, you know, and, and I hated it. I hated it. I really did. And that's why I became a fighter, ultimately. And it, it was a very well-planned decision you know the whole the whole story to me coming to, to, to do this was uh it didn't happen overnight you know there was uh, steps to it what was your first discipline i started doing japanese jiu-jitsu when i was eight years old oh. and i was obsessed with it so that's how you knew how to clear the sword yeah 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 i was obsessed with japanese jiu-jitsu when really? i was a kid it's great it's good yeah I, I was doing see we didn't know it was mma back then but we were fighting mma we we called it knockdown sport budo uh, if you if you Google it, you can bring it up. You can bring up some of my fights. Knockdown sport budo. Yeah, which is MMA, bare knuckle. Uh, and we have like these international tournaments against, you know, men. I was about 15, something like that at the time. But uh, yeah, so we, we do tons of that stuff. When I was younger, you know, I was, as I say, obsessed with martial arts and pretty much won every single tournament I ever went in. And then on top of that, I was a little shit out and about as well, so I was having plenty of fight experience. And then, as I say, just dead-end job after dead-end job after dead-end job. And I got to a phase in my life, I met my wife, Rebecca, and we had kids. I was like, is this it? Is this all that life is going to be? You know. And then my boss at work at the time, Mick, he said to me, mate, you're a pretty intelligent guy. Is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? And I'm like, fuck no. He's like, well, oh, is this right here, here we go. Here's one of them. This is wild. Yeah. This there, is like me. some fight club shit. I mean, even the, the seedy, dark-looking background, <laughs> the weird lighting. This is like a scene yeah. in a movie. He came out through fire. He walked through fire. You walked yeah. through fire to get yeah. here? Oh, Jesus, you did walk <laughs> yeah, through yeah. fire. Actual fire. The, oh, it looks like smoke and, oh, and yeah. lights. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one, actually, which is true to my... Uh, but, pull, scoot ahead on this. This is wild, the way you guys are dressed and everything. Yeah. I, to this day think that fights should be held in this sort of a scenario where, where there's a large open open air place like a basketball court yeah. i just feel like uh the cage is such a factor in fights no it really is it yeah. really is and it allows i mean you can use the 
There's one more on there if you can find it, Jamie, which is pretty funny. Joel got a good laugh out, and so will everybody else because I guess the early Michael Bisping was on display. We, we, we bow at each other and I kick him in the face. Oh, really? <laughs> right off the bat. But you know, the referee had said fight. Um, yeah, the cage, you can use it as a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's another weapon. You yes. can stall on it, you can lean on it, you use it to stand up. It's a factor. It's a huge factor yeah. in, in, in the UFC or and in an unnecessary martial one. arts. And it's hard to see sometimes if you're in the crowd and you got a post there. Oh, no, for sure. Guys are brawling. You wind up looking at the screens. Yeah, no, absolutely, you do. Yeah. You know, I was I was having a me and Lewis on one of our episodes recently. He was saying, you know, usually when I'm front row at the fight, I'm like, hold on a minute. When have you ever been front row at the fight for one? Because he was saying, I prefer the first riser. I'm like, okay, well, that's what everyone says that they can't get front row tickets. Okay, <laughs> you all say, oh, I'd rather be on the first riser, you know, because you haven't got to get a sore neck looking up. I said, well, guess what? When you're front row, it's fucking cool. Okay, you can hear yeah. the punches, you can yeah. see the blood and the sweat. If front, the first riser was good, I'd be doing commentary. From if there. the first riser was great, <laughs> that's where all the celebrity boy yeah. was. This. Look at this. Fight, boom. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That, but that was fine, yeah. in my opinion. He said, fight. <laughs> look at, what look is at, he wearing? He's wearing wrestling shoes? Yeah. Wow. The old head scissors, classic. <laughs> there is a uh, there's a, a video on flow grappling from a recent uh, jujitsu tournament where a guy got a guy in a head scissors to put him to sleep. Right, fight, yeah. Right from his guard. Yeah, well, I won a couple of like shitty grappling tournaments. What, With uh, a head scissors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. fucking works, man. Yeah, if head you can scissors. squeeze hard enough. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't against the best competition, though. The guy might have been 55 or it's something. It's still legit, though. Yeah, if, if, about... if, you get, if you get the knees yeah. on the right part of the neck and squeeze like a bit, yeah. It hurts. And especially if you practice it. I feel like the head scissors is something like, look, yeah. think about when, you, when you're cinching a Dars, right? Or when you, when you go under for a Dars and you clamp a hold of your hands and you pinch down. Yep. Some, some guys are expert at that, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. They develop yeah, that sure. sick squeeze, uh -huh. that sick clamp down. If you just constantly drill that all the time, you could fuck people up with that. Just get better at it. Just get better at it. Like <laughs> well, you could. Else, you could. Right? But yeah. I don't want to be the guy going for a head scissors in the <laughs> UFC and it was like, fucking Bisman with his British wrestling. <laughs> look but at him doing a head scissors. <laughs> it's like the Women going for the head and arm. You know, oh, in women's yeah. re MMA, you try a head and arm. Yeah. As a man, yeah. they're, they're going to take you back take and choke you, you out. Yeah. Simple as that. But yeah, well, women's Ronda MMA. And Liz Carmouche. She was, Rhonda's thing was always get that headlock and then hip toss, mm. get a girl to the ground, and then, you know, get her in an arm bar. Why does that work on women, but not men? <sighs> neck strength, but, probably. Yeah, but, but their heads and necks are even smaller, so they yeah. can. Slide out of it easier. I you don't know what think I mean? it really works. I think what we saw in the Ronda Rousey fight with Liz Carmouche, Liz Carmouche took her back and almost choked her out. Yeah. And if Liz was the Liz of today, she probably would have choked her out. Sure. You know, she just wasn't quite experienced enough at the time. I think the reason why we're, you're seeing it more in women's MMA is because although the level is very high with like Valentina Shevchenko and you know, you know Jacek and Cyborg, the level of the champions is very high. There's still the the lower no, levels absolutely. nowhere near. You could watch a guy on an undercard that's fighting on Fight Pass who's a fucking world class demon. In the UFC, sure. he's a man. The women, you're still there's there's way less of them, and the yeah, competition's well, not as strong. Yeah, I, I mean, they haven't been doing it as long. Right. The talent pool isn't as big, right? You know, the, the women aren't as interested in the, it. I was just about to yeah. say the percentage of men yeah. interested in pursuing martial arts and mixed martial arts, as opposed to the percentage of women. Way lower. Right. I don't know what the percentage is of men. If we said it's fifty, just for the sake of the argument, yeah. women, it's going to be five percent. Yeah, if that. 
if that. It's 5% probably men. If my wife said, Michael, I'm going to start training because I want to be an MMA fighter, I'd say, <laughs> pack your bags, get out. <laughs> I'd say, shut the hell up, make me a sandwich. What are you talking about? Come on. Fucking, you're going to be an MMA fighter, are you? Ooh. Oh, imagine watching the mother of your children get head kicked. It's Ooh. crazy. So... Mm. My Thai boxing coach, actually, you mentioned Vinny Shoreman at the start. He used yes. to be in business with Vinny. Daz Morris, okay. very, very good friend of mine. He was my Thai boxing coach. Shout back out to in... Vinny Shoreman. Shout out to Daz Morris. That and um, his, uh, his girlfriend, he was cornering his, his, you know, the mother of his children. She was a Thai boxer, Cassie. And shout out Cassie, no disrespect, you know. But to be cornering your loved one, mm. that you're in a relationship and she got knocked out cold in a Thai boxing fight. I was like, wow, Daz, how do you do that? And, you know, the mental strength to understand that this is a different relationship, that she's the student and the teacher, right. and this is just the way it is. I mean, that takes a lot. I don't think I yeah. could do that. It's incredible. Well, it takes a different kind of woman to want to do that, right? That kind of woman. You got. I mean, the worst thing I think you could ever do is take a woman who wants to fight and tell her no. You know? Sure. Yeah, because she's gonna find a way. Like if you're dating Valentina Shevchenko, you got well, good luck with that. Good luck. With good that. luck with that one. You're gonna a... get spinning kicked to the midsection, <laughs> to the balls. Okay. She's a fucking monster, isn't she? She's great. She has she's one awesome. of the quickest spinning back kicks I've ever seen. There's so not fast. too many, and and I say this with the greatest of respect to to women's mixed martial arts, and I respect everybody that 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 applies themselves and is willing to get off a couch and make something of their life. So. You know, I'm not being overly judgmental, but there isn't too many that I really get excited for and that really thoroughly enjoy watching, you mm -hmm. know, because as we just said, the level of skill isn't quite there yet. Right. You know, as I say, it's not nothing to do with genders. Right. Why do I want to see a watered down product? If I can exactly. see these guys doing it at, right. at such an extreme level, I don't really want to watch smaller people that can't hit as hard with lesser technique. Right. You know what I mean? As I say, nothing to do with gender. But um, but obviously, there's a few exceptions to the rule. And Shevchenko, Jan Jacek, uh, yeah. Amanda Nunes, yes. Cyborg. Yes. There's definitely amazing talent out yeah. there. There really is. It's just a smaller pool. It's a smaller like pool. Like that fight this weekend was sensational. Yeah, Jan Jacek sure. and, and Valentina. That was a very, very high-level fight. Oh, it really, really was. Excellent it really watch. was, yeah. 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 And Jan Jacek impressed me, you know, because she had a, I think it was a tough three rounds, fourth round. You know, uh, she probably might have edged that fourth round, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's impressive that she uh, still had the fight in her so late in the fight. Valentina's just too strong too and big. too good of a grappler and, yeah, and, yeah. and bigger. Physically well, bigger, like you see her back, you see it. traps, You can everything. see it. When they're yeah. against each other, Jan Jacek's very slim, very slender, mm -hmm. and she's... Shevchenko yeah. has muscle on her. Well, Shevchenko was successful at 135. You know, there you go. that's a big gap between 35 and 115. Where and the reason Jan Jacek went up to 125 is because she couldn't get her belt back at 115. Yeah. And I say that with the absolute greatest of yeah. respect, you know. Um, well, it was a lot of it was the weight cut was crushing her. And then she didn't have to cut weight for 125. But the, on the flip side, you're fighting a bigger, stronger woman sure. than Valentina. No, exactly. If she same. was fighting another straw weight, went up to 125. Yeah. Maybe things would be different, but yeah. that that was always on paper a bad matchup. Yes, I agree. In my opinion, yeah, it went down the way I thought it was going to go down. Yeah, same here. There's same a lot here. of fights, but the main event, man, the main event was one of those fights where I was like, I don't know, I don't know. Max like, and yeah, Ortega. Yeah. yeah, I was like, if Max, uh, and if it goes to the ground and Max gets caught up in something, 
mean, Ortega's got the nastiest fucking submissions in that no, featherweight for sure. division. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, as I said, I favored Max. I thought Max was going to do it. But I did as well. There's just something about Brian Ortega. I mean, just, just looking at him, he looks like a fucking killer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's, he's big so for the division. He's calm. He has that presence, mm -hmm. you know? I don't know, he has, a, he has a, just a look on his face that wants to snap your neck off well, at a moment's notice. He's going to learn. He's going to learn from that fight. Of course. There's a lot, a lot going on in that fight to learn from yeah. in terms of his movement, in terms of just hand, trying to handle Max's barrage and his, the pressure that he puts on you. Well, he's only young, so that should be a massive motivator yes. for him. Because when you go away and you win fights, it's great. There's no better feeling than winning fights, and I'm telling you this like you don't know, but you know this. But, you know, when you're winning fights, it's great, and you go away and you don't really change anything. Because everything's going good, yeah. you know? But when you lose, then you're like, okay, shit. I don't want to make a habit of this. Was he undefeated? I think yes. he was. Undefeated, that was his first loss. So now he's going to say, okay, what can I do to, to ensure that I don't start getting more losses? Yeah. You know, he wants to be the champion. Like my first loss was to Rashad Evans. And then I remember on the day, um, day of the weigh-in, he was uh, sat in the sauna killing himself doing his usual thing. And the team that I was with that shall remain nameless back then, they all wanted to eat Chinese food. So I was like trying to order the most healthiest thing in the Chinese restaurant that I could. So I was eat, eating noodles and drinking fucking Sprite, you know, on the day of the weigh-in. Jesus Christ. Because uh, when I was at 205, I didn't cut weight at all, you know. So uh, I remember... Um, you know, and I still weighed in. Another time when I fought Elvis Sinisek, well, back in the day, it was my first fight in Manchester, and uh, I was getting tickets for everybody. You know, loving it, really, loving the attention. It was my first time, you know what I mean? So, right. yeah, I'll get you tickets. <laughs> Talk about a fucking pain in the ass. It was a lot. tickets is a pain in the ass. Oh, my God, because you've got to get the money yeah. off the people. Then you've got to get the ticket. Then you've got to do the transaction. This is day of the fight, you oh. know what I mean? I remember being on my knees, day of the fight, with... Hundreds of tickets and cash everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, why did I do this? <laughs> oh no, sorry, it was the day of the weighing, pardon me. Okay. Anyway, and I was so stressed out with it and I drove home. I thought I'll sleep in my own bed night before, uh, night before, sorry, it was the night before the weighing, pardon me. And I'm driving home and uh, I was so stressed out and I was hungry. I hadn't eaten all day because I forgot I was too stressed and as I'm driving along the freeway I don't really eat Burger King but I saw the sign for Burger King and I was starving. I thought, fuck it. So I pull off and I get a triple whopper with cheese and bacon, fries and a large Coke. Wow. And I'm sitting there, and you know the, the noise that it makes when you get to the bottom? <laughs> that sound. As it went, <gasps> what am I doing? I'm fucking waiting tomorrow. <laughs> Holy shit. Because I'm so stressed out with the goddamn tickets, I forgot all about it. So I'm like, crap. So fortunately, I just stepped on the scale, no problem. And with Rashad Evans, same thing. I just stepped on the scale. So after that, I was like, okay, what can I change? Well, I'm not making the sacrifices I could be, you know, to be as successful as possible. So that was, you know, moved down to middleweight. And Ortega, you know, he's not going to drop weight. He doesn't no. need to. But no, he, he doesn't need to. He can work on some things, yeah. you know. He can learn. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah, he most certainly can. I mean, uh, he's uh, he's got tremendous jujitsu, and his boxing is very good as well. But, you know, when you experience that kind of a, a fighter, when you experience that kind of a champion like Max Holloway, you you understand that there's there's areas where you're exposed. There's areas where you have holes, and you have areas where you can't compete with him and as successfully as you have been with previous fighters. So that's a learning experience, and I'm sure he'll be better because of it. I would say because of the third round, then yeah, you know he certainly made it competitive in the third round. Yeah. He landed a couple of good shots. Because I, I was going to say, you know, in some circumstances, it doesn't matter. 
you go away, work your ass off. You're never going to beat that guy. Right. You know what I mean? All the work, all the coaches, spend all the money, dedicate your fucking life, go live in a monastery in fucking China, do whatever you want. Mm. You're never going to beat that guy. But in the third round, he kept him honest. He landed some good shots. So I wouldn't say that's necessarily applicable. Um, you know, but he's certainly got to do some work, you know, yeah, he's in the striking department. Yeah, in the striking department. And I'm sure in the wrestling department as well. Sure. You know, he got him down briefly, but Max uh, did a fantastic job of uh, stuffing it, getting back up to his feet, you know, uh, retaining, you know. Getting, yeah, getting for sure. I mean, I, I don't want to speak out of turn. Um, I did find it somewhat curious. Is it Hannah Gracie? Yes. Hannah Gracie giving him the, 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 the boxing advice in the corner. Yeah, I found that somewhat curious. Yeah, you know when I, when I had my fights, Jason Perillo, if the fight was on the feet, he was given the instructions. When the fight yeah. hit the floor, Brady Fink took over. Yeah, you know, and if there was elements, you know, they knew their elements in the corner. You know, he'd say his bit, boom, you go. You know, yeah. no disrespect to Henry Grace, he's done amazing things with Brian Ortega by the by everything I see online. You know, congratulations. You know, but when you're getting outstruck, I don't really want advice from a jiu-jitsu coach. Right. No, that's a good point. It's a very good point. You know, um, it's it's interesting. Like you, you had a great situation with Jason Perillo and the other coaches that you worked with. And sometimes uh, a young fighter needs like a, a mastermind, right? You need sure. like a Matt Hume or a Faraz Zahabi, someone who could put it all together for you. A John Crouch. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I was also going to say, and this is probably well by all accounts, it is what. Henner is to Ortega a mentor as well yes. it does seem like he's yeah. his mentor so for that you know maybe I shouldn't have quite said it in the words that I did use you know what I mean it yeah. seems like that is his mentor his father figure whatever, whatever it is so there's a reason why he is there but for yeah. sure bring on an expert you know in those areas a specialist you yeah. know yeah it's uh you know it's a it's a crazy world the world of fights in mixed martial arts you know I mean as I said there's a lot of there's a lot of fakes there's a lot of that and there's a lot of it works good now but then when you fight a world class fighter you realize oh, why sure. why I, there was holes in that yeah the, the, you'll find out pretty quick yeah you know when you got a coach that's never now you don't have to have real life combat experience to be a good coach but it helps it certainly helps and it helps the fighter really trust the advice that they're giving you you yeah, know, yeah. For a fighter to be standing there and telling you to throw combinations, have you ever been in there? You yeah. ever experienced what it's like to have another guy trying to take your head off every time, and you're and you're going to talk shit to me? Did you see the Mike Perry video? No, Platinum Mike Perry. It's fucking, no, I know who Mike great, Perry is. It's a great video. What did he of do? People telling him the, the, like like when you're fighting, and the coach is like, "Go, go, 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 go." He's like, "I'm not trying to get fucking hit right now." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's that's a what great it is. Video no, too, I know. Mike, you know, he's an intense guy, and he's talking about yeah. it. And he's like, "We're faking, we're faking, we're fainting. We're trying to make our way in, but no one wants to make a move because no one wants to get clipped first. And yeah. Well, I remember, you know, I mean. When I fought Rashad Evans, it wasn't the most action-packed fight. And when I watched it back, I was like, fuck. Right. Why did I just go for it a little bit more? And then I'm like, oh, because I remember. Because every time I took a step forward, woof, yeah. I felt the wind of the punches nearly taking my head off. Yeah. When you sit, even myself, when you sit and watch, you're like, why are I doing more? But then you take yourself back to when you were in there. And you're like, ah, yeah, that was why. Yeah. That was why. You know, it's a, such a tricky situation, and the 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 fight game evolves, the, the the styles evolve, and the way guys pursue fights evolves. It's just, it's really interesting to watch. You know, you see a guy like Mighty Mouse who does things different than anybody else, and you go, oh, 
well, look at how this motherfucker yeah. does it. You know, yeah. and you, no, you for see, sure. It's it's a it's a sport where you mean you were incredibly fortunate in that um, you got to not just be there when it was exploding, but you got to got to be a part of the explosion. Sure, you know, I mean, agreed. That's yeah, no, a, I, I, absolutely. I mean, so like um, 2006, you were you were in the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, 2005. I flew out. It was December 2005. Wow. Yeah, yeah, crazy, uh, right? Crazy man, it really was. It really was. It was good times. You That's know? when it was just popping. Oh yeah, I remember when the Ultimate Fighter first came out, and uh, it was on Bravo TV in England. Well, same as here. And I said to my wife, I was like, "Check this out," and she's like, "I can't watch it." I'm like, "Why?" Because if you were on there, you'd win the thing. So I, I don't want to watch it. It's not fair, Michael. You should be on there. And then lo and behold, you know, about six months later, they were looking for two Englishmen, and uh, we went down to Earl's Court for auditions. And the great thing was, at that time, I was 10 and 0. I was the Cage Rage champion, Cage Warriors champion, and FX3 champion, as well as the British heavyweight kickboxing champion as well. And everyone that was auditioning for the light heavyweight, I'd knock them all out in the first round. Of course, you know, true to my style, I made, you know, Dana fully aware of that. But uh, yeah, it, it was crazy, man. I couldn't believe it. You know, it was nuts. I'd never been to America. Next minute, I'm on some fucking reality TV show in a mansion in Las Vegas. You know, it, it, was, it was a great time. It was. It really was. What was it like being separated from your family for six weeks and doing that show? And Very hard. It? Very difficult, of course. But I was there for a reason, you know, and, and so I was the greater good. You know, I said, yeah, of course, it, it sucks. It sucks being away. It sucks missing time, missing birthdays, all that type of stuff. But if you're doing it for a reason, then, then you know, you just got to be mature about it. My yeah. wife always was. The kids understand, you know. Yeah, it's, it's not good being away from home, but... Uh, I'm working on something here, you know, trying to set us up. Come on, do, do me a favor, understand, you know? Well, it worked out. Yeah, they were always great, you know? Yeah, it worked out. It I mean, did. It did. No, no regrets. I mean, maybe a few. Maybe a few. Yeah, but you know what, man? There's no way to not have them. Yeah. I mean, there's no perfect path. That's one of the crazy things about fighting. You zig when you should have zagged, you get hit. And that's it. There's no. That's part of the game. That's that what really it is. is the sport, you know? It's... Uh, it's such a cliche thing to say, so many ways to win and lose. But there really is, you know, and as you say, you zig when you should have zagged, the smaller gloves, you know, the takedowns. That's the problem. When you fight a wrestler, it's such a pain in the ass, you know, because I'm a better striker than most of these wrestlers, but when they're trying to take you down, it changes everything. Right. Because you go out and you're like, okay, this motherfucker's just trying to take me down. That's all he's trying to do. So I'm going to stand here and I'm going to wait for him to shoot and then I'm going to stuff his takedown. Because I'm waiting for a takedown... I'm not thinking about the hands and then douche, then you get caught with a shot. You know, yeah. like, what the fuck? You're supposed to be going for a takedown, not punching me in the face. And then all of a sudden, your striking's terrible because you're totally thrown off by the wrestling. So it, it, it's, it's a very, very difficult sport. It really is. Another one of your most impressive victories was the second fight with Dan Henderson. Because you got hit with some fucking oh, yeah. bombs in that fight, but you refused to go out. Yeah. You, you refused to be stopped in that fight. Yeah, you know, I mean... That was a that was a display of willpower in a lot of ways because I remember watching those those big shots from Henderson land and I mean the, the, they were on the edge. I mean you were on the edge going out. Oh I mean, for sure, absolutely. I mean I remember he hit me. I went down. He was swarming on me, hit me with some elbows. But I remember I was always fine. But I was like, holy shit! You know that was what hit me there. And then I managed to get myself back to my feet and had blood pouring out of my face and whatnot. Of course, second round, same thing happened. And he had two big moments in the fight, two right. big shots, but they were big moments. 
But you don't win a 25-minute fight by landing two shots, you know. Yeah. But they were big shots. Fair play to him. But, uh, you know, I, I refuse to quit there because, you know, obviously going into that fight, I talked a bit of shit, like always. Yeah. Um, and you can lie to everybody. You can lie to the media. You can lie to the press. You can lie to your family. Lie to your coaches. Well, it's not necessarily lies, but you can ooze bravado and this and that. But you can't lie to yourself, you know, when you're laid in bed at night and your head's on the cushion, you know, you can't bullshit yourself, you know. And day of the fight, because the fight was at six in the morning, day of the fight, I'm laid on my bed trying to just have a nap because it was going to be a long night, obviously. And uh, I couldn't sleep. And all I was thinking, human nature, last time I stepped into an octagon with this guy, I was fucking out cold for a long time. My brain was scrambled eggs for a long time after that fight. And... Uh, as I say, you can lie to everybody else, but now the fight was getting close and it's in my hometown and it's my first title defense and all this. I'm like, shit, shit. I know I'm better than this guy, but fuck, last time. Last time didn't end well. So uh, I was uh, getting a little worked up. And I remember I was at the arena and I was kind of, you know, being a little edgy, a little snappy with people and there was no need for it. And then I just stopped. I went, <sighs> started laughing and Prilla said, what's, what are you laughing at? I said, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? If I lose, what's the word? I'm going to lose a fight. It's happened before. So why am I stressing myself out over it? And I just started laughing and after that I was fine. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, <laughs> I definitely uh, had a sore face the next day after that one for sure. Yeah, but you, <coughs> you know, you got through the fire. Yeah, no, I did. And I felt great. The only problem was in the fifth round, because this cheekbone had swollen. It was on my good side. He shattered the cheekbone on on my good side. And uh, it swelled up so much. I could hardly see out of that eye. <laughs> this eye's fucked as well. So in the fifth round, I'm like trying to like get a certain angle where I could even see the guy. Do you know what I mean? It was, it, 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 it was a nightmare, you know. Jesus but uh, yeah, got the job done, fortunately. Is there anything that like is on the horizon in terms of like medical science that you're looking at in terms of being able to fix your eyes? Uh, not that I know of. I spoke to doctors about it, you know, because I, I, I was... Uh, yeah, I was always curious what what what, uh, what could be done, but I, I don't think in my lifetime there is. But the reason I retired was the Gastelum fight because I was cleared to fight and the doctors were always like, we don't really advise it, but you are cleared. You've passed the test just by the skin of your teeth. And for me, that was all well and good. You got to do your medical. The most stressful part of all of that was when you, you got to go do a full training camp now then fly somewhere and you're going to see another doctor, a commission doctor at the weigh-in, right? And you don't know what this doctor's going to be like. You don't know if he knows anything about eyes. You don't know if he wants to be a hero. You don't know if he wants to make fucking press, the guy that pulled the main event. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Very, very stressful time. So for me, the fight was always the easy part. The hard part was just fucking making it to the octagon. And I go to the weigh-ins and I get cleared. I was like, Argh! The feeling was like, okay, we're good. The fight's on. Because I didn't know the fight was on until wow. I got past the commission doctor. How many different fights did you have to go through like that? About, I think it was about 12, something like 12 that. 12 fights with eye problems. I'm not sure if it's 12, something like that. Hold on. Belcher, Kungli. No, Belcher, Tim Kennedy, Kungli, Rockhold, CB, Talislaitis, Anderson Silva, Luke Rockhold, Dan Henderson, GSP, uh, Gastelum. 11, 11, 11 fights. yeah, wow. yeah. So that was stressful. Uh, and then obviously, you know, I lost the belt. 
and I was, in my mind I'd retired you know I just hadn't made it formal yet and uh, I was driving out for lunch with my wife and my in-laws they were in town and we heard on uh, Sirius XM Fight Club the Luke Thomas show he was talking about Anderson Silver testing positive for steroids and uh, they needed a replacement and I said shall I do it and they were like what were you talking about so I texted Dana right then and there and uh, a week later, I'm on a plane to Shanghai. No training. I've done anything. I'm no like, training. Well, I mean, I trained. As soon as I found out about that, right. you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I sparred a few times and then got on a plane and went out there. And uh, yeah, you know, God bless him. He got me. But then I, after the fight, because, you know, as I said, you know, I was clear to fight, but the doctors always said, we don't recommend it because if anything happens to your good eye, you're going you're gonna to be in a real problem. And I was like, well, so many fighters in the UFC have long careers and they don't get detached retinas, okay? It's, it's, it's a very, not rare, but it's pretty rare. Pretty rare. You don't hear about it too much. So I'm thinking, okay, well, the, stri- the lightning's already struck. Okay, lightning isn't going to strike twice. You know what I mean? I'm not that fucking unlucky. Anyway, so we have the Gastelum fight and then we go to an after party in Shanghai and we're in some club. And uh, I'm in the club and every time I look that way, and it still does it to this day, every time I look that way, psh, like a bolt of lightning, like you a flash. You see it right now when you do that? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, what do you see? It's, like, like, it's, a, it's arc. Like someone's taking flash. a picture? Yeah, yeah. And I was in this club, and every time I'm looking, it's doing that, and I'm, I start freaking out because I, I know, you know, I've got a history of, of symptoms with eye problems and whatever, and I start telling myself, I don't believe this. I've got a detached retina in my good eye, and I'm, I'm freaking out, and... Uh, I don't want to be in a nightclub around a bunch of fucking dickheads anyway, all drinking. I, I hate nightclubs. So um, I said, oh, I'm just going to go to the toilet and uh, restroom. And uh, I wasn't, I was leaving, you know, but I just wanted to be by myself. And I, I left there and shed a little tear in the taxi. I didn't want to be sat in a fucking nightclub crying because if people see me crying, they're going to be like, oh, he's crying because bless him, he lost a fight to Gastelum. It's like, no, yeah. I'm not crying because I lost a fight to Gastelum. I'm crying because I might be going fucking blind here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so I jump in the taxi, I go back to my hotel, and then uh, later on, Perillo and a few guys came back to see if I was okay. And, you know, whatever, we just carried on talking and having a few drinks in the room and forgot all about it. And, uh, you know, I turned into a bit of a messy one in Shanghai, forgot all about my eye, and the next thing I'm on a plane flying home. And I'd forgotten all about it. I fall asleep on, my, on the plane, I wake up halfway home, probably flying over the Pacific somewhere, the plane's pitch black. And then I open my eye, and he starts doing it again. I'm like, shit, because I've forgotten all about it. Mm. So I'm trying to get on Wi-Fi on the plane, trying to find something about it, trying to Google it, what it could be, and all the rest of it. And the Wi-Fi wouldn't work, and I'm going up, and I'm trying to beg the air hostess, you know, please, please, I need to get on Wi-Fi. I need, I have to. I didn't tell her why. And she said, no, it's, it's down right now. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Anyway, so I land. I call my eye doctor straight away. I tell him, I said, listen, I think I've got a detached retina in my good eye. Why do you say that? I tell him the story. He says, don't worry, don't worry. You know, you'll be okay. So I go see an eye doctor the next day and uh, he says, uh, well, I tell him the issue. He says, why do you say that? And I tell him why. I said, so do you think it's a detached retina? He says, well, it certainly sounds like one. I'm like, fuck me. He says, okay, we're going to put some drops in your eyes. Everything's going to go blurry and I only see a tiny bit out of this eye. And I'm like, oh, I make, I make a stupid joke as my defense mechanism. I'm like, oh, I guess I better get used to this view, eh? Haha. <laughs> and the doctor's like, well, we don't know that just yet. And I'm like, fuck me. Do you know what I mean? That's not the answer I was right. expecting. Anyway, turns out 
didn't have a detached retina. I had a vi- partial vitreous detachment. So you have your, your uh, cornea here, your retina at the back, and in between what's called vitreous fluid, and millions of fibres connect to the retina to send the message, I think. If I'm getting it wrong, I'm sorry, doctors. And in your 60s, that just slides off the retina and detaches naturally, maybe in your 60s, 70s, who knows. But as you get older, through old age, it just slides off. It can detach due to trauma. So that's what happened to me. Uh, so it, 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 but it had partially detached. So, but the problem was when these fibers are pulling, they can cause the retina to tear. So uh, they were, they were like, well, we need to keep an eye on this and blah 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 blah. So anyway, long story short, after that, I thought, fuck this. No, ain't worth it. And have they done anything to the eye since? No. And there's nothing to be done. There's nothing, nothing to be done. Nothing yeah. can be done. No, yeah, and and they're, and they're they're fine with it. They're happy with it. It, it it's okay. But it, but it was for me. It was, it it, it was a uh, you know a step too far. Yeah, I pushed it as far as I I, yeah. I I was willing to push. In fact, I'm a liar. <laughs> I was uh, supposed to fight Rashad in London earlier this year, but uh, we, we couldn't you know agree on the deal terms with the UFC. Fight never materialized, and I was flying up to. Uh, New York to do my podcast with Lewis and uh, on the plane I'm watching this uh, movie called The Journeyman and it's uh, Paddy Considine it's about a boxer who's a world champion and at the end of it he, uh, he wins the fight and then he has severe brain damage and it's a very very sad movie you should check it out it's really really powerful very very good anyway I watched that and I thought Psh, that's it I'm really? done that was I'm what done. did it that was it so I yeah. got off the plane we started our podcast I said boom I've got an announcement that's wow. it over good for you it was the best decision I ever made. You know, I've been very, very happy ever since. Yeah, you. I mean, you have op- options. I mean, you, you had a long, great career. You have options. Yeah, I, I mean, as I say, no regrets. You know, I mean, um, it, it, it was a wonderful ride. I, I loved it. I, I never thought a young kid doing martial arts and, and you know, a guy that just liked, liked to have a scrap when he was a kid could take it this far. And that's the beautiful thing about the UFC these days. You know, if you're of that certain mindset, that certain character, you like a bit of rough and tumble, you don't mind getting a punch in the face here and there and you're willing to go for it, you can make a living. You can make it, you know, when I was younger, I used to do a lot of professional kickboxing, but I never looked at it as a career because it wasn't back then. But now it's great, you know, it really is a career, a viable career. Well, especially for a guy like you who's a good talker, who understands how to break fights down and you can make this transition. It's one of the things that I really like about the UFC, that they've allowed these fighters. Like, you know, I do a lot of commentary now with Paul Felder and Daniel Cormier, Dominic Cruz, and Mm. they've given these guys these uh, options. It's great. Yeah. As I was saying before, but that was one of the things that scared me as well as a kid because you go in gyms all over the world and you see amazing talent everywhere. Mm-hmm. Amazing talent. And, you know, they're, 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 they're sleeping in the cars or they're sleeping mm-hmm. on a couch at someone's friend's house, you know, and, and they're struggling to pay the bills and they're driving a shitty beat-up piece of shit, you know. And it's a shame. And I see them and my heart goes out to them. And for whatever reason, they don't get the brakes. They don't look right. They, they can't put it together on fight night. The nerves get the better of them. Who knows what it is. But they just don't make it. Yeah. You know, I'm finding such a cruel, vicious sport. It really is. So that's why when people, I, I get asked all the time, do you want your son to do it? I'm like, well, no, not really. The way I see it, I fought, so he doesn't have to. Yeah. But if he wants to, he's the number four ranked wrestler in um, in California. I've he's, seen the videos. He's, he's a, a beast. St- he's, a, he's a beast. If he wanted to, 
Of course I supported. My father supported me ridiculously. If it wasn't for my father, I wouldn't be here either. Um, but I wouldn't wish it on him. I wouldn't wish the life of a fighter on anybody because it's so unpredictable. And just because you're good and just because you can take a punch and just because you're, you're an animal in there doesn't mean you're going to be a success, you know? What I tell it's going to be the perfect storm. What I tell young fighters is uh, when they say, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about trying MMA, I go, don't do it. Yeah. If you're thinking about it, don't do it. If you tell me you're obsessed with it and you want to be a world champion, then I say, go ahead. Sure, absolutely. Give it a chance. Yeah. But if you're not obsessed, there's some motherfuckers out there that are th oh, yeah. they're, they're living it 24-7 all day long. Oh, for sure. They're, they're, and this is a thing, um, you, know, you see a lot of young fighters now, they're obsessed with the image. You know, you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. on TV, it's cool, and it's got a lot of popularity now. So yeah. a lot of people want to do it. As I say, there's pretenders in coaches. Yeah. There's pretenders in fighters as well. Sure. A lot of people, you know, they want to be, you know, they want to be Conor McGregor, or they want to be Chuck Liddell or whatever, and they're mm -hmm. all fucking wearing tap out and having mohawks and yeah. stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're talking about, oh, for this camp, I'm going to bring in this guy. It's a fucking camp. You don't have training camps at the start of your career. Right. At the start of your career, you you train Monday to Friday. You have a fight at the weekend. If you win, you're back in the gym fucking Monday. You know what I mean? Right. You fight every few weeks. You know, every you know. when I was starting, I think I had six fights in the first year, probably five kickboxing fights. You're trying to build momentum. You're not doing camps. Right. I don't want to hear any young fighter saying to me, for this <laughs> camp, I'm focusing on my wrestling. It's like, shut the fuck up. You've had two amateur fights. You're not doing a training camp, buddy. Right. You're training. That's yeah. it. You know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, listen, Mike, uh, thanks for doing this, man. I'm glad my we pleasure. did it and we could do it again anytime right, you'd man. like. Yeah, and, no, no. Uh, tell everybody about your podcast with Luis Gomez. Shout yeah. out to Luis. Yeah, absolutely. Big shout out, Luis. I think he's listening. Hilarious um, guy. Oh, hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, believe you me. Um, Search it on iTunes, all that, all, all, all that shit. Do you YouTube, have a, is it YouTube as well? yeah, okay, YouTube cool. on there. Michael Bisping podcast or Believe You Me podcast. iTunes, all that crap. Check it out, or don't. You know, gonna give a fuck <laughs> if you like it. If you like what I've said for the last hour or two, check it out. If not, kiss my ass. Thank you, brother. Appreciate right on, it, Joe. Man. Thank you, Appreciate Michael Bisping, it. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>